everybody. This is Rich. That's John. Good to meet you. We are for here. Actually, the founder. I, I'm the only person that doesn't get mad when I say the founder <laughs> about you of Real Talk. It's not the Claus Corner. We're done. Co-founder. Yes. Co-founder. With the uh, originators. <laughs> yep. It's Real Talk. Where we talk about the movies that we grew up with and why we love them and the impact it had on us and just yeah. lots of different facts. And then I'm sure we'll go off on many tangents this oh, week. Yeah. We talk about. Oh my <laughs> God! Yeah. Well, this there's definitely a lot to talk about this movie because uh, it's a movie that we both grew up with, a movie that we both love, and very recently I've become friends with some of these people, and I've had them on my show. You can check out my channel. But the movie has such a big impact on me. Open. It's actually the 45th anniversary. February 9th. It's going to be 45 years. The movie The Warriors opened on February 9th, 1979, in 670 theaters, and it, Without any advanced screenings, without any um, decent promotional campaigns, it made $35 million in the first weekend. The reason was, which unfortunately did happen, they were worried about violence in yep. the theaters. And I'm sure you know all about this too. Do yeah, we yeah. That was a, it was a weird time for cinema because there was a lot of that kind of thing happening. With I mean, like, back she's back she put out a film around the same time um, called called Coonskin, also known as Street Fight. Same thing was happening. Any gang-related thing kind of led to rival gangs wanting to see the movie at the same theater at the same time, and yeah, things got crazy. But yeah, the Warriors. We're talking about the Warriors. Oh, so yeah. before people get, people get too deep into it, I want to let the audience know that we um, Rich has had so many guests on the Claws Corner that have worked on the Warriors that there's a new playlist just for Warriors-based videos on his YouTube channel. So check that out if you want to catch up on all the Warriors stuff. And this this video will be part of that playlist once we're done with it, too. I know. I loved it. I saw that the other day. I mean, so so far, I've gotten Thomas G. Waits, who played Fox. I've had David Harris, who played Cochise. I've had Rob Ryder, who played the lead punk or second punk. And he also played one of the baseball fears, the purple fury. He's known as the one to fight Swan. And then Apache, we're going to rain on you warriors, Ramos. I always thought that, that Apache was in the, um, the, the orphans. Yes. And those guys are like the, the losers of the, of the gangs, you know, like that one dude with the half open eye. Like, it's just like funny how like the, sh they were, the, they were just so sweaty and greasy and like, they couldn't catch a break, you know, like the movie's just, well, let's, let's talk about the movie. How did you first see the warriors? I want to say it was either the movie channel or HBO. It wasn't in the theaters. Yeah, I, I, mean, was, I, I was 11 years old when it, had, when it came out, and I was seeing movies like that in the theater. But for some reason, I didn't see that one in the theater. And I mean, I we grew up in the suburbs. It probably wasn't even on our radar. You know? Probably, yeah, that could be it. But I remember as soon as I saw it the first time, I mean, I had to see it at least in, in my youth, probably like 20, 30 times. I just loved that movie. And you know what's funny? I never even realized this until maybe very recently. The violence is very cartoonish. You don't really see yeah, any blood movie, at all. The whole movie's border. I mean, like we could talk about this after, but the, the Walter Hill original wanted to cut it like a comic book. Yeah. And in this 2005 re-release, he put the comic book elements into it. The movie didn't change other than the transitions made yeah. it look like a comic book illustration. Like you were looking at a different panel of a comic and he had that intro, his yeah. his, his narrated intro that he added. The movie was exactly the same otherwise. So it was, it was just a new cut with that. But yeah, it was very comic booky, very very um campy unintentionally i think but i don't think they were trying to make an r-rated movie i think they were probably trying to make a pg movie it just ended up being r because the there was some there was some four-letter words and things like that but if that movie came out now it would it'd be pg-13 yeah yeah it would almost be a laughable pg-13 because people would be like there's no real violence in this you know there's some people punch each other but yeah there's minimal blood 
Yeah, you know? even with even gunshots. I mean, even with the yeah. bats and the, the stabbings. But yeah. I want to get to the uh, the the intro you were talking about. Yeah. Originally, you know who they wanted for that, but they couldn't afford them. The narrator who? Orson Welles. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, Orson. They, Walter Hill wanted Orson Welles, and Orson Welles said, "Well, here's my price," and they just said, "We can't afford it." They really. And Rob Ryder, who I just interviewed, he which is funny because Orson Welles the same year was in the Muppet movie. That's funny. I didn't realize that. But, he, but Orson Welles was also a huge Muppet fan. Oh yeah. What's his last on-screen appearance for a film? Was the Muppet movie? Oh wow! This he was such I, I learned something new on this show every yeah. time. I love. And it. it was the same year. They were both seventy-nine, which is they were both came out in seventy-nine. Um, but like I know that wasn't part of the original cut, and then in two thousand five or four, when he did that new cut, he added the narration. He did it himself. Yes, that was the version. I I just watched the movie obviously to get ready for the show again, and I hadn't seen that version yet. So I'm like, well, that's the one I want to, and I don't, and I can't find my DVD of it, and I know it didn't have it on it. I know there's an awesome, there's an awesome new Arrow version that's out. I want to order, but uh, regardless of the merchandise or that, I so I went online to see if I could find that version anywhere. And if you're a person who streams movies, Sling has the 2005 cut. Okay. So I watched that. Sling has a lot of ads. That <laughs> got oh. annoying at one point. But I was like, you know what? It's okay. I know this movie well enough. It's fine. But uh, it was cool to see that version of it. When the narration started, I thought I was watching the wrong thing. Because <laughs> it has nothing to do. I mean, it has to do with like people fighting. It has to do with like, turf war, I guess. But it's all about like ancient times. I'm like, what? Did I click? Is, is the sling of a glitch? Are they showing me a different movie? And then as it's ending, I'm like, oh, this is how they started in this version. Okay, like Sunken. I remember reading about this. Okay. And then the movie started and it's awesome. But yeah. So you first saw it on like TV. Yeah, I saw it TV. And it's funny that you said that because I was looking all over for my DVD. Because I do have that DVD. Couldn't find anywhere. So I just went to Amazon Prime and rented the regular movie because I said, I got to see it at least one more time, even though I can quote pretty much. I could play, do a one-man show in The Warriors, and I probably Man, wouldn't mess up at all. But the fact is, I said, I want to see it because especially after talking to the people that were in the movie and things that happened behind the scenes. Yeah, you want to see that. A lot more. Yeah. And it was funny because I just interviewed, as I mentioned, Rob Ryder. And he was he started off as a location scout. Then he's a production, he was a production assistant. assistant. Yeah. And then Walter Hill just loved him. He said, so he, he goes, kept him around. He kept yeah. him around. He goes, we need, he was a stuntman. I said, how do you become a stuntman? He goes, usually they're family members and they generations training thing. Yeah. 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 But he was, there was one time, uh, well, you're going to remember this scene. Ajax throws the bat at the cop and the cop falls down the stairs. Yeah. He won. Uh, Walter Hill said, we need you to do that scene. And he goes, nah, I can't do it. He goes, you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, I'm not a professional stuntman. I'm a stuntman for your movie. There's a difference. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. He goes like this. He goes, I don't really care what you call me. There's no way I'm going down those stairs. There so you go. Luckily, he forgave me and he put me in a couple other scenes. Well, you know what it was? Is Walter Hill was probably like, well, he stood his ground. I have respect for that. You know. Yeah. You know, like I always say that, like my own cast and crew, that I won't make them do something I wouldn't do. Yeah. You know, like also, but also we don't use stuntmen. We use stunt puppets, so that's okay. But like we during the, the unrelated, we're doing that show where we have our buddy Rich. It's Rich's mouth comes out soon. Uh, he eats all kinds of crazy stuff. There's not a single product we put in front of him that I don't also taste. Mm -hmm. So that was my whole thing is if you're going to do it. I mean, if he was like, no, 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 I'll do it without you. I'll eat everything anyways. Okay. But I was like, I'm not going to make you eat something that I wouldn't at least try. So on camera, you see me, I'm next to him and I'm eating everything too, but the show's called It's Going in Rich's Mouth because his reactions are just amazing compared to mine. We play off each other, which is good. But oh, yeah. but so, but, um, and you fell in love with the movie. So you probably saw it when you were like 11, 12, 15, something like that. Yeah, no, I saw it when I, I want to say maybe 
back then it would be a was it probably a year later so maybe it came out in 19 it came out in 79 maybe i saw it whenever it was on movie channel or hbo and that would have been like, back then those movies took like usually two years to get okay. like a lot of movies took two years there around then sometimes it was shorter but yeah the turn time for cable for pay cable like the networks the movie networks was like like 18 months or something like that for most stuff yeah so but yeah. with but within a year or so yeah i was probably like yeah like you said I, 13 or 14 and i just that's what i first I was like 14, yeah. thir- maybe 13. I want to say 14. I want to say I was in eighth grade and people kept talking about it. I, I was my brother. I had a brother who was four years older. He hadn't even seen it, but he had always heard about it. And somebody loaned him a VHS. Like he was in high school and they gave him like a, they taped it off HBO or something, like a VHS tape. And my brother, brought, I was like, we're going to watch some movies. I, 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 my buddy borrowed these movies from us. I'm borrowing these from him. And we watched the Warriors and he, we were both just like, kind of like Phantasm. We were both just like, this is way cooler than I thought it was going to be. And I, but even at 14 I was like, but it's kind of corny. Yep. Like the dialogue is kind of corny, but it's like it works. Yes. It makes it that good. And I didn't, you know, I was just learning what a cult classic was at that point, you know. And to me that movie in my head was one even if it wasn't. Like other yeah. people recognize it. I'm like this this is the kind of movie that I'm going to come back to even though the whole world might not like it. And then by the time I got out of high school there wasn't like a resurgence in the warriors like there was in the like uh 10 years ago or 25 years ago or when the 20th anniversary hit there was that big like hype for it yeah and then like five years ago there was a big hype for it too but as i was going to high school like in my community my world that i lived in all of a sudden kids were discovering the warriors it was just good timing maybe it was on tv one kid saw it told all of his friends at my school or whatever but we were all quoting warrior shit and i was like yeah i knew about this too i knew about this before you like yeah. i'm not gonna tell you you're not as cool as me but i'm glad we can all have these jokes together you know yeah well it's funny because apache i like to travel you never been anywhere <laughs> That was what we'd all say to each other. Somebody like, yo, let's go to the movies tonight. We'd look like, you ain't never been in the movies. We just like, we changed it to whatever they were saying. I've been places. I've been places. But uh, Apache was telling me what, and I think Thomas Wade said the same thing. What brought the Warriors back was the video game. That would really brought a new generation of people yeah, noticing like, a movie. Kids who had never heard of the movie yeah. found out about the video game. And then they, yeah, and then they went to the movie. After and like, yeah. Because like, the, I, I remember when the video game hit, I, um, my then wife, Got, was into it yeah. and she had no idea it was a movie when she first found out about it because she was a big gamer and i'm like oh there's a movie and we rented it and she was like i think that's when i bought the dvd actually it might yeah. be she was like holy crap this is like right up my alley you know how come i've never heard of this i'm like i don't know <laughs> i know I, it's funny because i i have friends who are the same way it's like how can you for me it's like i can't believe they never heard of it or heard saw it, it but yeah. i mean you, you and i live in a different world <laughs> you and, and i have like we're also like we're film buffs and we're yes. not film snobs there is a difference exactly because a film snob is going to look at the warriors like well it was of its time yeah buff is like the warriors helped change film oh my you know, god yeah and it is a cult film and like it is and yeah i'll be honest like some of that dialogue is horribly corny Oh, but yeah. the, if it was over serious, I think if it was as serious as The Godfather, the movie no one would remember it now. It'd be another, it'd be another bad gang movie, you yeah. know, because it would have taken itself too seriously. Where you could tell they were having fun with this movie. Oh yeah, they're taking their job seriously. But I feel like every actor in that knew what the movie was, and they loved being a part of it. Even even Thomas G. Waits, so I know didn't have the best experience yeah. overall in the end, but he's proud of it now. I mean, his name's not even on the credits. Well, yeah, I'm sure you know the story about that. And if oh, you yeah. don't, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about I'll it. Because that, yeah. what happened was he, in the original story, Fox was his character. He was the brains of the operation. Swan yeah. was, the, was the war chief. But 
Foster's the brains and he ended up having an affair with Mercy. So he was mad because he thought it was going to be more of a love story and he was going to be more involved in it. Yeah. And then he says, you know what? I was 19 or whatever old he was. He goes, I had an attitude. I had a chip on my soldier shoulder. And yeah. I just said, and so Walter Hill finally told Craig Baxley, who was the stunt coordinator. Gonna get a guy that looks like him and we're going to kill him off. Yeah. I said, find a way. He goes, throw him in the subway. He goes, how are we going to do that? He goes, just find a way. I don't care. And so he said, I can't remember which actor it was, but he said, I want to say Marlon Brandon. Somebody like that said, I, I took my name off the movie. He goes, I thought I'm going to be just like him. And then he goes, now I regret it. He goes, Walter Hill regrets it. You were yeah. the best of friends now. Yeah, they, they made their peace, you know. Like, yeah. And it's kind of a cool thing, though. Like, Tom Waits can be like, he can, he can be like, yeah, my name's not on the movie. That's how cool I am. You yeah. know, like play it that way. That's how I do. It. I'm so cool. I didn't want to be credited, you know, like, but instead it was, I was mad. So I took my name off. Like, um, I was going to say really I, quick before it worked out perfect for him because when he got fired from that job, not maybe a month or two later, he got uh, an audition for Injustice for All with Al Pacino. And that worked yeah, out very well for that him. That worked out very well for yeah. him. Right. But for me, for Warriors, for me, though, it was it was one of those movies I didn't go back to a lot right away. Like, it wasn't like my brother and I watched that day, and then we rewatched it the next day. It wasn't one of those, but it simmered. It was always there, yeah. always a Warriors. Like, anytime I had bottles, I'd do that. It was one of those, like you, like you said in the text to me on Sunday, it's so quotable. Yeah, oh, my God, yeah. Um, so I kept going. I would go back to it, and, like, maybe every two or three years, I'd end up watching it again to the point where I bought the DVD. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rent the movie, or I'd borrow the VHS from somebody, or pre-streaming and all that i still prefer physical media over streaming you know but right, you mean both. Uh, but uh you know so but i'm glad it was there for me to watch on sundays like I, my copies disappeared and now i'm i'm definitely rebuying it i actually made a decision in the beginning of the year that i'm going to go back and all the shows we've done if i don't have a physical copy of it i'm buying it i love gonna, that idea i'm gonna have a real talk shelf of all the shows not necessarily all because all some shows i'm just gonna keep like my evil dead's will stay with my evil dead but it would be like i just i want to make sure i have a copy of every movie we've done just because it's a nostalgia for me, I guess. But you I love. Be, you know, it'd be kind of funny. Would be if you if you talk to your ex wife and you see that DVD on her shelf. I'll I'll kill her. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will not talk to her. So we'll make we'll keep that. <laughs> it's uh, she probably has it. If she doesn't have it, who knows what happened to it? I moved a bunch of times. Had yeah, roommates. Yeah. Disappear, yeah. Yeah. No, so at, at what you mentioned about like her not realizing it was a movie. Oh, this is a good movie. Next yeah. thing you see, next time you see her. What the hell is that doing there? When do you get that? Yeah, it, it pro- that's probably where it went. I mean, like, um, <laughs> oh, but uh, I remember like being like, like as a few years later, like later on for me going back to it around the time the video game was out and then the comic books were coming out and the action figures were coming out. Do you remember that? I have. I didn't buy any of that. I didn't do, I just missed the boat on it. I wasn't collecting comics at that point things like that, but I was aware that these were coming out as I'd see it like being advertised. And I was like, that's so cool that these are out, that they're doing more with it. But they're not remaking it. Yeah. They're they're doing more of the characters or even retelling the story in a, a comic book form or whatever it was, or video game form. I know the video game was leads up to the movie, right? Is that what it was? I think that one I've never I've never I played. I, I, I never really played video games, so I, I think don't know. The video game was each level was leading up to the movie, and then the last three levels were the movie. You're playing the movie, okay. but you had to get there. I think that's what it was. I, I could be wrong. I think I read that recently. Um Hey, in the comments, let us know what the video game plot is. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever, if you, if you saw upstairs in my curio, you're going to see the baseball figures. You're going to see. Um, you have them. You have, cool. Oh yeah, I have. I have the all the figures. I bought them later on. This is why I was at one of those conventions, and I said I got to buy the. Actually, yeah, I, I never saw them in stores. The first time I saw them at a con was I went to the um, Kineticon in Hartford. One oh, yeah. of the years, Elmwood was there doing a screening, and I was walking the floor. 
an event just like for the day and i saw the action figures and i was like cool i almost bought the baseball one yeah yeah and uh and i was like you know what i don't need this right now <laughs> i was like uh, i'll wait and i'm now i'm like i should have bought it <laughs> yeah I, I bought it year i want to say like 15 years ago whenever it was like i don't know how many years ago it was but i just saw it. i said and i can't i have to double check now to see which baseball it was for the have. 30th anniversary or 25th anniversary so it's probably 15 years yeah, ago now it's the 45th anniversary so, so it's it was probably then it was probably the 30th anniversary yeah, yeah. But uh, I do know one of the comics, I think the plot was it follows the movie and they're trying to break Ajax out of jail. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm sure we're going to talk about the book later, but it was a book that was more, it was based in the 60s, I think. Yeah. And, and the author, oh, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, Sil Yurik is the author, but Swan's character gets kidnapped by a, a gay gang called the Dingoes and he escapes. That could have been a cool plot in the movie. Yeah. Maybe they, I mean, what I like about, we were talking right before we started filming about how the move that I've never read the book. I've read the synopsis and I know that's very different. Um, what I like about a movie versus a book is I don't want to go to the movie theater and see the exact book I read. I want to see a new interpretation of it. I've already read the book. Yeah. You know, uh, one of my favorite, my favorite graphic novel of all time is the crow. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies of all time is the crow and they're not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they do very, it's the same concept and elements are there, but they do two different things with it. The same outcome in the end, you know, but um, and I love that about them because they're their own story. You know, they they do it. They just tell the same story differently. The graphic novels, something's work in a book that will never work in a movie. And sometimes you can do it in a movie that would just be boring in a book. You yeah. know, so it's like, and I haven't read the book, um, but I know that the author wrote it kind of as a reaction to West Side Story. Yes, I know that he was really disappointed in how they treated gangs in that and glorified it. So he wrote a movie, or wrote a book, kind of what gangs are really like or what he thought they were really like. I don't know if he was ever in a gang. I don't know his story, but yeah, I don't know his story, but I know that what you just said is correct. Yeah. And also that, I mean, it's funny because not one gang is named the same. Not one character yeah. like Ishmael. If it's from like Moby Dick, that's yeah. the name of Cyrus. He's the one who gets killed. And there's the warriors are never framed. It's the cops that are the obstacle. They have to get back to Cornelia, but it's the cops that are after him. Really, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Actually, big... you know I think the movie does a better job of framing them. I think that's a cooler thing. Yeah. So, what do you now? What is your theory on the why? I'm drawing a blank on his name, so I'm just going to say. Uh, I'm just going to say. Uh, Which one? I'm just going to say T Bird, David Patrick Kelly's character. What the hell is? His oh, name? Luther. Luther. I say T T Bird's the guy who played the crow. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, Luther, why do you think he really shot Cyrus? What is your theory? That, you know what? It's funny. I've never even thought about it. I thought he was just an, a, an asshole. Because he, he says, the, I did it because I wanted to. But also... I like doing things like that. Yeah, but put that together with... Who's he on the phone with all the time? Oh, I don't know. They never, they never answer that. I know what it is. This is all my right. thing. I've thought this since I first saw it. Not first saw it, but maybe when I was a little older and a little smarter. So like in my 20s seeing it. And I've because we're doing this episode, I went and looked up film theories online and things like that. And people agree with this one. Other people had this same idea. It was a mafia hit. The mafia hired them to kill Cyrus and ah. Frank. They wanted to get Cyrus out of the picture. And that's who he's talking to on the phone, is whoever his connection was with the mafia. Like, hey, it's oh yeah, it's done. And then, but they're gonna go along with let's also hunt down the warriors. So the 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 smoke gets taken off us. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's why right way he blames the warriors because it's like I'm gonna blame that he just chose a gang because that's because he's crazy like that. Yeah. But it was a mafia hit and he, they were hired to kill him. Yeah, but I always make the like, joke that's a, that explains why he's on the phone with people and 
Why would you shoot Cyrus if he was that good at what he did and he was going to bring you all together? You'd be an idiot in a gang to do that because it's going to ruin you if you get caught. Hence, every chasing the warriors down or at the end, his fate, Luther's fate. You know, it's funny. I'm, I've never even thought of that, but I never would even expect suspect that because all I remember is that part. Hey, you're gonna pay for that? For what? So that, yeah. <laughs> you the phone, that's all I remember is like the the woman asking that question. Yeah. And so it's just it's funny. That, that it's definitely great, makes a lot of sense. It's a great misdirection in film. That was a great yeah. thing on Walter Hill's part that you see him on the phone, you hear some of the conversation, but then they immediately take the the your focus off of that from a filmmaking standpoint didn't just show his craziness so you forget about the phone call then you see him later on the phone but the way they frame it he's kind of over in the corner on the phone and it's like a thing here so you don't see him that well so you don't really think about who he's talking to you're just like oh he's just talking to another guy in his gang but if you listen to what he's saying he's kind of reporting about what's going on so whoever he's talking to is aware of what's coming ah that's like their job is done we did our thing and now we're taking the trail off us that makes a lot of sense. You might think, oh, he's talking to another gang leader, whoever he answers to. But he doesn't answer anybody. He's the leader of his gang. You know, so he's talking to the mafia guy that paid them to kill Cyrus. I always make the joke. I said the movie could have been five minutes long if they just took off their jackets and and went in civilians. <laughs> you know, but that's another thing about, like, the, the mentality of, of that era of filmmaking and also yeah. gangs. They wear their colors. Yeah. There's this whole... You know, this whole like macho thing about you know, I'm not taking my color off, you know, like if it's going to save your life, throw your vests away and steal some T-shirts exactly, you know, and get the hell out of there. And like like Swan at the end, he's like, maybe I'll just leave town. You know, he's like, I'm yeah. done. you can tell he's done. Yeah. Time to grow up. I'm done. You know, <laughs> let's yeah. get out of here. I, I love that. Well, I love that whole end scene. You, you, you're still here for us. We found who we're looking for. Yep. <laughs> you warriors are good. Real yeah. good. The Ooh, best. But the best. Yeah, speaking of that, I love that end scene when they're on the beach and ends within the city. Talking to Tom Waits, he said it was originally a Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah, they couldn't afford it, right? Yeah. They, so used they, got, it, they, used, they wanted it, but they couldn't actually use it. But it I, I can't imagine it not being in the city. Exactly. That's what, well, that's what I was going to say next. I said, maybe it's because that's all we know, but even if I didn't know that. Yeah, think I about would, another movie that's iconic for a song is Say Anything, the boombox song. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it was it, it, when you see the movie, it's in your eyes. Like, I can't imagine that scene without in your eyes. Yeah. But he was actually standing there holding the boombox up. He was playing To Be a Lover by Billy Idol. Oh, really? Yeah, because that was a song he thought he would play. That's and he listens funny. to the lyrics, it makes complete sense. So if you yeah. recut the scene with that song, it, it's okay. It's not as sweet as in your eyes. You know, it's not a love song like that, but it makes sense for that character. But I can't imagine actually the movie being made with it being a different song. Yeah. In Your Eyes was always the song the director wanted, but John Cusick actually had a different song playing in the boombox, you know? See, if I was doing that in front of a girl's house, it would be like Evil Dick by Body Count. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, you know? No, I'm just kidding, but... um, My cat's coming around my legs. I'm just saying hi. Uh, But can you imagine it being a Springsteen song? I don't think it would work. No, I mean, I'm not, I mean, for me, me, I'm not sure if you are. I'm not really a huge Springsteen fan. I, I'm not really. I have I, mad I, respect for the guy. Yeah, no, me too. And, yeah, I, 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 and, I, and I, there's I, like, some songs that I'll hear and be like, yes, but I'm not a born in the USA guy. You no, know, I'm I, not a, I'm not an 80s Springsteen guy. No, neither am I. And so that's why I like I'm, his, and I'm I like definitely more of a Joe Walsh slash Eagles guy. And I yes. love that song. And it's, you know what? It, 
there's like two movies that I'm sure there's plenty more examples I could think of later, but two movies I could think of where the song fits perfectly for the movie. The other one is Devil's Rejects with uh, Freebird, or is it, uh, yeah, it's uh, the Rob Zombie movie. I think it's yeah. at the end with the shootout. It's just that whole song, and in slow motion, that song fits perfectly with that movie. Just like in the city as they're walking down the beach. And, yeah. And so it I just, love- it, and I, I read, I didn't know this because on the videotape I'd seen or on HBO and all that. I didn't know this, but in the theatrical run of the film, the song is like five minutes long. Yep. The credits would end before the song was over, but they left the film going so the whole song would play. Oh. In the theater. So they, there was like three minutes of blank, black screen with just the song playing. That's funny. I don't, like that's, cause, cause, cause I, I don't know if it was like a, a contract they made with Joe Walsh, the song, the entire song had to play, yeah. or if they just liked the song so much. It was like, no, we want the audience to hear this whole song if they stick around. I just think that's kind of cool. Like what a, you know, now they time everything out. So it ends with the movie or whatever. They edit the song or whatever, like with, with movies, but that one, they're like, no, no, we're just gonna let black screen and let the song play. So I'm like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> just you a weird I- little piece of trivia. And yeah, it's, I want to hear that whole song. So yeah, yeah, I would have sat, if I was old enough to go see that movie in the seminar, I would have sat in the theater and listened to that whole song and chatted with my friends about the movie, you know? <laughs> I'm trying to remember, because unfortunately, Criterion Cinemas in New Haven no longer exist. I used to love that place, and they used to have Insomnia Theater. So I saw The Warriors probably about seven years ago in Insomnia Theater. I don't remember if I stayed for the whole thing, but I just love that song. I can't remember if they had the black screen. I'm sure they did, if that's the case. But well, it was so great seeing it in the theaters. If they did the revival, it probably didn't. It was probably just based on whatever version was available for home media, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. They probably just yeah. showed the DVD, but this, yeah. I, I just love seeing movies that everybody loves. Like I saw army of darkness in the theater too, one time. And it's just great. Everybody knows the lines. Everybody's having fun. They're all screaming at the screen, but not in a bad way. That experience. Yeah. 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 So, and that's what the experience was with the warriors. I said, this is, this is great. Just I got Everybody that is a diehard fan. They, everybody's having fun. I'm going on the internet right now. Are they, since the 45th anniversary, do you think they're doing like a fathom events thing? Oh, I don't know. That'd be awesome. As I know, the Muppet movie is getting re-released in June oh. for the 45th anniversary. Yeah, let's look that up. because I. Well, I'm looking it up right now as we talk. I didn't even realize it was a 45th anniversary until I was uh, – when I went online doing research, I'm like, wow. I knew it was yeah. 79, but it just didn't even click with me. Because yeah. I saw – I was in 2016, I think, or 15, whatever it was, I for the Coney Island one. That was great. Oh, you went to that. That's oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. I love the short film they did of all of them on the train again. Yes, just kind of doing their thing. I thought that was really cool that they did that. Classics. So unfortunately, I didn't have a show at that time, but I got a chance to meet yeah. her. I got a chance to watch. That's what I, I was talking to him about. That I said two of my favorite growing two of my favorite movies growing up were Warriors and Jesus Christ Superstar, and I got a chance to meet the cast and watch the movie with the whole cast for Jesus Christ Superstar in New York and, and, and both of them for Warriors. Warriors yeah. yeah, so I, I said that it, was, it was great. And then now it's even better because I'm making friends with these people and they're like, yeah, yeah we got it. I, I, so far I, with Thomas G. Waits, I got a chance to go to New York, go to his acting school. That's and, right, you did know, that, yeah. And I saw his band play. And, got, and when I went to go see his band play, Apache was there, so I got to hang out with Apache. Oh, that was good to meet him in person again and like, yeah. that's because you'd already interviewed him, yeah. Yeah, and Apache's so, great. He keeps sharing. He shares my podcast all the time. He goes, oh, that's he, great. He's a fellow on, orphan. Got to support him. I'm on Fathom's website. All right. And they don't have anything announced yet, so they're probably not doing it. But for those of you who are movie buffs, I want to give you guys a listing. In March, they're screening Labyrinth for a week for two days. All right. All over the country. In June, the Muppet movie. Uh, for huge film nerds, Rear Window is playing in August for a couple days. That was a great movie. All over movie. the country. And then for those of us who love comedy, September 15th and 18th, Blazing Saddles 50th anniversary screening. All right. 
So and Mean Girls is coming back. I like that movie. Yeah. Um, Never Ending Story too. Eh, I'm not into Never Ending Story, but yeah, but there's some good stuff coming up. Wizard of Oz is in a couple weeks too. They're doing a, a three wow. days of that all over the country. Yeah, I saw that. But, but dark, but the Muppet movie, I'll be going to that. Maybe we'll have to do an episode about it. Maybe you have to go with me, and we'll do a whole video. Yes, that'd be great. So the own team wants to go, so maybe we should just all go as a group, and then we'll do a, we'll do an episode live, like as us, we'll do like cut in footage of us going to see it or something. Yeah, but I, you so just we'll figure it out. But so back on Warriors, back on Warriors. back to the Warriors. But yeah, uh, so uh, let's talk about the Cyrus scene then, because we were um, I yeah. found out how they well it was in Riverside Park in Manhattan. Okay. Of, the location Another reason why Springsteen there. wouldn't work. There, he's Jersey. What's that? <laughs> Another reason why Springsteen didn't work because he's from Jersey. Exactly. I know Joe Walsh isn't from New York, but you know Springsteen is Jersey. <laughs> but the the guy that um, whose locations got Rob Ryder, who played the the punk in the Fury, he said that he, year, I want to say nineteen seventy, he went to a, a concert. Was, uh, was it T.J. Hooker or not? Is it T, not T.J. Hooker? What's his name? Johnny Lee Hooker. Okay, but TJ Hooker was a TV. I know, I'm thinking, like, why does that sound familiar? It's a TV show. But so Johnny Lee, and there was a huge riot there. And he says, one thing you got to remember is he goes, don't get involved in riots. Or t-. And we, we had a whole conversation about that whole, I said, is that why you picked that location? He goes, no, but I just remembered that. And I wanted to check it out. I thought that was a great place, the enclave for the, uh, and so they couldn't find anybody that would do the fall. So Craig Baxley, who was the um, stunt coordinator, they put him in blackface and he did the fall. <laughs> But if you see, he falls backwards. So you can't even really you can't even see. see his face. They could have just had him fall, and you wouldn't. Yeah. yeah, but different times. I mean, there was no harm meant. They were just trying to make sure he looked right. But oh, yeah. now they'd give him a mask of some sort. You oh know? my god! Yeah, and even then, or they just get a find a, they, or they just hire a black stuntman in advance. You know, yeah. like. But those were different times. They weren't thinking it through as well. Like now, everything's contracted. Like that stunt guy who's going to do that job now, that's in his contract before they even show up on set that he's going to be falling off that thing that day. Like it's. Right. Everything's so much more regulated with, with big budget movies, which is good because it's safer. Well, um, he said that he said what made the movie so good was they really didn't have a lot of money. He goes, they yeah. had, and so he says it's surprisingly not having any money made the movie better. And I said, I agree with you. On a that. lot of times that works because you got to be more creative. Yeah, I'm gonna look up what the budget was. I'm just curious. While we're talking, yep. And I forgot, like uh, I'm not sure exactly what the budget was, but while you're doing that, I'll tell you about uh, Walter Hill because yeah, the, that, um, the last interview worked with uh, William Friedkin, and, and I don't know the last show I last real talk I did with my uh, with my friend on William Friedkin movies, and I read his autobiography. That guy is a self proclaimed asshole. He just the way he dressed, William Friedkin or Walter Hill. No, no, William Freakin. Okay. Yeah, no. So that's why I wanted to say it because um, so Rob Ryder worked with him. He basically confirmed everything that Freakin talks about in the Freakin book. Freakin said about himself. At least he's aware. Yeah, but he said Walter Hill is one of the most laid back, nicest, easygoing guys. He goes, I believe that. His whole attitude is, I hired you for a reason because you're talented. You should know what you're doing. I'm not going to bother you. He says he really didn't bother them. And he goes, most of the time he was, he goes, when you have a good assistant director, you really don't need the director to be down your throat all the time. He goes, that's how Walter Hill was. He goes, he had a great assistant director. He let us do what we needed to do. Yes, he was just, but he said there was one, the baseball fairy scene. He said, because he was the purple fairy that, that fought Swan. Yeah. And there was, they were going back and forth. And he and uh, Michael Beck, who played Swan, said, Oh my God, that was great. Oh, you were fast. And he goes, That's perfect. So Walter goes, Let's do it one more time. And he goes, Oh, come on. And they were so tired by that yeah. time. So Michael Beck 
sort of moved moved when he was supposed to move the other way and he almost got hit in the head and then and uh then he hit him in the rib hit rob ryder in the ribs he went down he said and then walter was like all right yeah that, that's much better that's good he didn't realize that they were really they actually hitting each other, each other. Yeah. yeah they almost he goes i almost ended up in the hospital because of uh <laughs> but yeah they they hired they the war the Furies and the baseball or baseball Furies and the Warriors really couldn't run that fast so they hired a running group called the Road Runners and they oh, were doing he, all the running scenes the running okay the um what, what four million by the way the movie only cost on record four million to make and it made Hollywood five by its opening weekend yeah Hollywood plays with those numbers even back then so it was probably either a two million movie or a seven million dollar movie actually. Yeah. You know, like the, they'll say it was less than it was to get more hype, or they'll say it was more than it was because they lost money. So I'm going to say it was probably closer to like a, a seven million dollar movie, and they're reporting four million so they can make it look like they made more. You know, and that's after marketing, probably seven. But um, that, speaking of the baseball furies, like what I one thing I love about that movie is a lot of gang movies. Everyone looks the same. Mm-hmm. It's a gang. Mafia movies, they're all wearing their crappy suits or and now track suits. You know, gang movies, they're all wearing whatever the gang is wearing, whatever the rival gang is wearing, the same type of thing. I what I love this movie was that cartoon element of everyone had their look. Yeah. There was no confusing one gang for another. I love that kind of thing. I love that kind of world building in film. So like the baseball guys being wearing baseball out uniforms and like the warriors with their vests, the, 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 the orphans looking like with the white t-shirts, like, like it's a diaper because you're an yeah. orphan child, you know, you, sometimes you don't make those connections, but like seeing it as many times as we have, we're like, Oh, cause they just look like babies. They're orphans, you know? Yeah. Um, like, like I love, I love that. Con- the, the, the Lizzie's. Oh yeah. You know, well, all, all that, kind of, all kind of like with their their feminine look, but kind of butchy because Lizzie is a slang term for lesbian. Yeah, you know, I was like, that's that's really cool. Like they they or back then it was a slang term for lesbian. You know, I don't know if people still use it. I've never used it, but I know it's a thing. But like how like that? I love that that everyone had their look. You know, you knew what gang member they were gang they were because of the way they dressed. Well, speaking of that, the Lizzie's, he was telling me that the first outfit they had was a see-through outfit, outfit and they were basically naked throughout the movie. And then Walter oh. said, no, we're, just, we're going to change that. That's exact. but good. He, so at first he, he did that. He thought it was a rumor. Then he said he was going through some, some like uh, pictures and they're like, oh, wow, this, is this real? He goes, oh yeah, it was good, the way it was going to look. And he goes, he yeah. found like pre-production shots and stuff, yeah, yeah. Like, people in costumes. And like, that would have been, that, that would have ruined that whole scene. Yeah. They weren't prostitutes. You yeah. know, they they were they were they were a gang of chicks. Like, like, like you said, she couldn't shoot. She couldn't oh, shoot that's the, hilarious. the broad side of a barn if she tried. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, the world's worst shot. Yeah, like what the hell? <laughs> like, like I remember, uh, it's Rembrandt who catches on, right? Yeah, yeah you know okay. what, yeah. And you know what's funny about that? I didn't realize this. Now seeing it, I just thought. So I even said when I was younger, I said. Why would they even have him in the Warriors? Because he doesn't like to fight. He just he doesn't yeah. like his. But then um, Rob Ryder was saying he goes, "Warriors is a great movie to say how everybody could get along." He goes, "Rembrandt's yeah. gay." I said, "Wow, you know what? I never realized that." I said, "I don't know if you're sure, sure if he meant the character or the actor." Yeah, no, he meant the character. Yeah. yeah. So, but then he was talking. Like, then they have Latinos, they have blacks, they have whites. He goes, they're all in the same gang together. Yeah, and, and was, no like, one mentions color. No one mentions race. Yeah. Um, what's funny was I, I, I've seen this movie. 30 40 50 times in my life probably maybe even more from like catching bits here and there on tv yeah. and things like that but um every time i see it i'm like i know rembrandt from somewhere i know him from another movie i know him from another tv show i can't place what it is and on sunday 
it hit me when I was watching it. Like, uh, what's take Tuesday? So three days ago, I'm watching the movie. There was a show in the '80s. You might not remember it because you're a couple, you're an hour older than me, you yeah. know. But there was a show on PBS, and in Connecticut, it was on CPTV called Three to One Contact. I've heard um, of it. I okay. don't it, was, it, was, it was an educational show. Yeah. Um, it was like there was a block in the afternoon here locally on CPTV that was Sesame Street Electric Company Three to One Contact. Like it was like four five six or whatever three four five whatever the hours were that these shows were on three to one it was a half hour show but there was a show within the show called the bloodhound gang oh which the band the band of bloodhound gang is named after that show that's funny it was a, it was a show of like five minute bits about three like teenage detectives who would go and like you know they'd go in their town and do detective work and save the day and rembrandt the guy who played rembrandt was in the bloodhound gang segments of that show Wow. As I was watching it, I'm like, he was in the fucking Bloodhound Gang. He was in the Blood. I'm like, watching the movie, everything was on the screen. That's what I know him from. So I'm right to IMDb, looked up the Warriors, looked him up, went to it, scrolled through Bloodhound Gang. I was like, yeah, some vindicated. <laughs> 40 years of not trying to figure out where this guy is from. 30 years, we'll say, of trying to figure out where this guy is from. And I, and I think back, if I saw the movie for the first time when I was like 14, Three to one contact was a show I was watching when I was nine, five years earlier. Yeah. So like I that so but I probably had the same feeling watching it. Like, oh, that's the guy from three to one contact. Ha ha ha. And then just forgot as time went on because so many of the things in the movie, life, your brain. But anyway, I just wanted to share that. Like the random all these other actors that are like some of these actors went on to bigger James Remar went on to much bigger things, or Deborah Van Balkenberg. And then Olkin is how Balkenberg. Yeah, she, yep. Yeah, she went on for comfort. She, a, and she's night. done a bunch of stuff. She, you know, like so, like other actors in this movie have done plenty of other things, and and a lot of the ones you've interviewed have gone on to crazy careers, like 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 Patchy, you know, like um, Patchy did. I mean, he worked with all these great musicians. That's what I'm saying. Crazy so career. His life went in a completely different direction, you know, like. But um, Tom Waits is still. He just he directed and wrote. He his just own made movie. a movie. Yeah, he yeah. just put a movie out. Yeah. He's, but uh, I want to talk As about. As you can Dream see Mark, in the episode right? of the Claws Corner with Tom Waits, linked yes, below. Check, check, check out the uh, in the, the playlist, the, the below, Warriors yeah. playlist. It's called "Come Out and Play Yay." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, actually, before we get to the, well, I want to talk about James Remar. But I want yeah. to talk about like, do you remember Magic Merlin in the Movie Machine? I think it was called. It was a show in Hartford. But it was on, I think, CPTV as well. It was around that same. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. He was part of that, wasn't he? That's why I think so. When yeah. when you were talking about that, maybe that's why I heard the three two one contact because I remember that, and I said I don't remember the. Maybe I did watch the three two one contact, and I don't remember seeing it, but yeah, I remember Magic Merlin because he'd do he'd go to all these weird places and he'd show all yep. different movies, and I loved it. But Rob Ryder was talking about. He said James Remar was the ultimate method actor. He did not change. I believe that Ajax at all. He said he was. I mean, he's got in trouble for that in his career too, for yeah. kind of being a dick on set. Like he got fired. I didn't realize this. If you go on YouTube, my brother was showing me this. He got he was. They filmed him in one of the aliens. I think it was Aliens. aliens. Yeah, he, he was the, the 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 Michael Bean character. Yes. Yeah, and he got fired after like, but he was also in his own admission. He was also dealing with a lot of drug issues at that point. So and he needed to get he needed to recover. He was he was a drug addict, you know, like Hollywood does that to people. And so and that and he got fired. But you know, like imagine losing that. I know what yeah, he he but then he was just an Oppenheimer. The, yeah, so he's he's he he bounced, he's cleaned up and bounced back, which is great. Yeah. Okay. But so what like, a great door was it Michael Bean or was it the other actor? Um Jim Jim uh Paxton. Was it Bill Paxton's part? Oh, I think you're right. I think it was Bill Paxton. I think it was oh, Bill Paxton's part. That it was had. Bill yeah. Paxton. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why I was trying to remember. If, but it's yeah. definitely Bill Paxton because they Bill showed Paxton like a, a side. They showed like, and a, I'm sure Paxton played it completely different than James Remar would have played it. Yeah, it's like they're because their their style is so different. 
And I can't imagine James Remar in that role now. Yeah, you no, know? neither can I. But you know what's yeah. funny about James Remar? Because, uh, well, Walter Hill loved him. And he said, like, he didn't realize, he goes, I thought Ajax, the character, was a dick. He goes, if I knew he was going to be such a popular character, I never would have had him end up getting arrested like that. He goes, I, would I think that's so, for me as a, as a film fan of the film, that made the character, character is a jerk. The character's yeah. about to rape a woman when he gets caught. Yeah. He's a yeah. shit. He's a piece of shit. But he's an interesting character in a movie. I don't want to be friends with that guy. Yeah. Not, I'm not talking about James Dream, I'm talking about Ajax. So I think that's the perfect timing for them to lose him as far as the story goes, yeah. though. Because he was a, from a storytelling standpoint, he's a um, uh, he's a liability. Mm-hmm. And he proved it right there. He's going to let his boys leave so he can go get laid. Yeah. He's, you're a liability. You're, you're, you're going to let us fry so you can get some action. So you're going to so assault somebody. You know, so him getting caught there was perfect timing, I thought. They could have gone further in the movie before that happened. Yeah. Maybe get another 10 minutes, 20 minutes into the film and have that same scene happen. But the fact that he, I think if they would have, as a storytelling standpoint, they never would have survived if he was there. Uh, which I agree. Got them no, I agree. With you. I love that, how it happened to him. But I think it's funny that Walter Hills did that because he goes, Ajax is such a prick. He goes, nobody's yeah. going to care about Let's that. get him out of here. And he goes, That's Mercedes Rule plays the underage, under undercover cop. Yeah, yeah. How cool is that? Like the other actress who was not really known. And now yeah. she's, you know, I think she's, is she in the Academy? Yeah, she's an Academy Award winner, I think. Pretty now. sure. She's definitely. Or a Golden Globe. She's got some awards yeah. under her belt. She went on to do great things. And But Walter she, Hill definitely took care of him because he put him in 48 yeah. hours. He put him in yep. comfort. He put him oh. in. I just saw the Lawn Riders the other day. He loved working with him. So he brought him back. Yeah. That's, I, I love when directors like an actor and they keep using them. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I like the idea of a repertory group. I love the idea of actors, directors working together over and over and over again. James Cameron and Michael Bean, same yeah. thing. He puts them in like everything, you know? Yeah. He did forever, you know? Um, Kevin Smith puts the same five actors in everything. Sometimes I'm sure it's financial. But for yeah, years, yeah. he put Ben Affleck and everything is he loved working with him, you know? like. Well, it's funny because I met Rob Schneider. I said, I bet you love being friends with Adam Sandler. He goes, Adam Sandler is the coolest guy in the world. He puts yeah. all his friends in movies. He goes, he's just, he's been so good to me. And he goes, I have to thank my career due to him. So he's, he's another one. Even if people like him or don't like him, he's very a good guy and he takes care of his friends. And that's awesome. Like, and Walter Hill's like that. He put, if he, I mean, he's making a movie with Eddie Murphy. So he's not going to give his buddy, the character actor, the lead role, but he's going to get James Remar in the film. He's gonna because he likes the likes working with him, likes the way he handles things. Let's get him in the movie. But Warriors, man, like, and I remember when I was a kid, I didn't make the the the, the same thing when I saw Warriors for the first time when I was like fourteen. That Deborah Van Alkenberg was the same chick from Too Close for Comfort. Oh, okay, yeah. I recognized her, and I was like, "There's something about her I know." Like, but because the characters are so different, that just shows that she's a good actress, though. Yep. Because if you put those two characters in a room together, they're not the same person, no, even though they're physically the same person. There's nothing in common, and she plays them both so completely differently. I mean, those two characters would never live in the same world, anyways. But and she and then it wasn't until lot... like oh no, go ahead, sorry. It wasn't until like years later I made the connection. I'm like, oh my god, that's the same woman! Like, <laughs> holy cow! You know, like yeah, they're both hot. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my god, I, I love Mercy, but it's funny because um, you know, the whole scene, which I love that line. It's like, hey, where'd you get that jacket? I stole one tough chick. Yeah, he keeps saying that. He said that already. But the reason she stole that jacket is because she got she broke her wrist. That's right. They were hiding the cast, right? They were hiding the cast throughout right. the whole movie. She so had to wear that jacket. That's the only. How did she break they... her wrist? Do we know? Does that it was, ever... uh, was it making the movie or was it something separate? No, it was during the movie. It was because. So it was like, her... but I mean, like, was it on set or was it like she, she was goofing off and broke her wrist, or did it happen in a scene? It happened during a scene. I think it happened. Oh, wow. with um. 
because because uh, Swan one time hit her with a bat right here by accident. And then I think I have to I have to listen to the interview again or read it because something happened. Yeah. I, I want to say it was with Swan again, and uh, she fell on her wrist and broke. She it, took but, a digger while filming or something. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely while filming. There was a uh, there's a lot of accidents during filming because all right. So you know the guy in the skate. Well, it's an action heavy film. Yep, a lot of yep. movement shit happens, you know, like you're, gonna, you're running a lot. You're going to trip at some point, probably. You're going to slip and, and you're not like in a set. You're on. There were no sets in that movie. That was all location. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, so, actually, that's funny. You said, I want to talk about that because originally Rob was the uh, location scout. So Walter will say, um, buy these buy these store owners off so we can use the store. Yes. For yeah. Oh, so you know about this. So you I, know, I, I, I saw that in the interview. Oh, yeah. So I'll just tell the story for people yeah, who haven't yeah. read that story. So he goes, well, how am I going to do it? You'll figure out a way. So he gave each store owner $100. Towards the end, the other store owners found out that he, they were getting 100 He goes, I want 200 So he goes, all right, don't say anything. I'll give you 200 And the other guy, they were threatening to sue, uh, was it Paramount, whoever l- released the movie? Um, whoever the, and they're like, and even, um, what's his name? Uh, Rob said, he goes, you think you're going to win against Paramount like with $200? He goes, there's no way. So, But after all of that, uh, Walter Hill decided not to use that scene at all. They, he, yes. <laughs> he had a different ending. So. Oh, that's a Paramount. Yeah, Paramount. Yeah. Made yeah, so, so they, People think that they're like, oh, I'm going to sue you guys. It's like, you understand that we have a multi-million dollar company behind us yeah. that will drag this out in court for so long that your company will go out of business. Your store will go out of business trying to fight these legal fees. Yeah. You know, like just for legal fees. Like, people don't think about that. I'm going to use my own experience. No lawsuits or anything. We were making... Um, short film for Elwood early in our early days and we were filming on a street in the town I lived in at the time, Plainville. It's storefronts, but it's a Sunday and a lot of the stores are closed. We're like, we'll just shoot right here. There's two stores. There's a bar across the street that's open and another store. And we're on, they're not even filming the storefront. We're across the street with the camera filming a puppet walking down the street across the street. Like, so you're just filming it. So you can't frame, you're not framing the puppeteer out. And you're just, and there's a guy who has a new store that just opened up on that street. But he's behind the camera because we're in front of his store with a camera facing across the street. So we're not filming his store. But he comes outside and just starts yelling the name of his store and his website over and over and over again. And the guy filming it turns like, what are you doing? He's like, well, if you're going to be filming here, I want people to know where, where my store is. Oh. And he's like, we're not filming your store. And he's like, well, I want, well, when the movie comes out, whatever you're filming, I want people to hear that my store is here. And he's like, but we're not. He's like, why? He goes, because you're, you're in my way. You're in front of my store. He's like, well, we'll move. So he literally moved the camera up to the next storefront that was empty. And the guy's still out there yelling. Oh. And I'm holding the puppet across the street. And I'm like, I can hear them talking. And I'm, we keep doing the takes. And then it's over. And I walk over just like, I walk over because I want to tell the guy to fuck off. But I'm like, I'm going to go over across the street, run across the street real quick. And just say, hey, everything cool. Let me grab the tripod. Like, be the buddy who helps. I get over there. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? What were you screaming about? He's like, well, if, the, if this is going to be in a show or a movie, it's going to be somewhere. I want everyone to know my store is here. I'm like, we weren't recording audio. And you saw his face go from like, I'm the cool guy to. <laughs> I mean, it's a real bummer because we were going to flip the camera the other way and get the other side of the road. So your your name would have been in the thing, but we're not going to do that. Yep. Because there's, there's too much noise. And he was like, <laughs> you know, and we were. We were going to flip through both sides of the street to make it look like he was traveling more. Because the audience isn't going to know it's the same street. It could be two towns away. You know, like it's a movie. You're cutting. And we never shot. We never shot it the other way because because of him. It was like you know we're not going to put your name in the movie now. We were going to give him free advertising, and he was no. 
Well, it's funny. Walter Hill had a similar problem. And what he did was because the gang, the real gangs in the, that area were showing up and they, they were playing their boom boxes and they wouldn't shut up. So he goes, you know what? I don't want you wearing your colors. I'm going to give you colors. I'll, put, I'll give you a part in the movie if you shut up. And so the whole- They were like, hell yeah. Yeah, most of the, he goes, most of the gang members in that opening shot where they're showing different gangs are real gang members. Are real gangs, just in yeah. the costumes. Yeah. yeah, in costumes. But they were doing the same. And they said that they had two undercover cops. What's his name in uh, French Connection? Popeye Doyle? Is it Popeye, Popeye Doyle? Doyle, yeah. Yeah, yeah Popeye, Popeye Doyle and, and Buddy, I think, was his name. And he said they had two cops and they nicknamed them. He goes, I don't know what they said. They'd go up to him, whisper something, and then they'd like leave. And if they didn't leave, you give him like a quick punch in his stomach and he never came back. I said, wow. I said, that'd be a lot different now with filming because if somebody had their cell phone and, oh my God, that's police brutality. He goes, oh yeah, it was a different yeah. time. But he goes, the two cops took care of some of the gang members that were just giving them so much grief. But most of them were like, yeah, I'll be in the movie. And they, yeah, they just want, they, they just want to be included, you know, yeah. like, yeah, like we've, we've shot stuff in public and people just want to be a part of it or they don't, or just don't film me. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, Do your yeah. thing and we'll go back to filming. We don't want trouble. No one wants trouble. You know, like we didn't want trouble. I should say filmmakers don't want trouble. You know, we just yeah. want to make our movies. Um, and I, would, like, I would love it. Like if, if I was somewhere in your life, I would never, because I understand what you're going through, but I'd be like, yeah. not just, I would be like, all right, cool. Just, just kind we of were filming, We were filming in a bar for Josh and, for Josh and Todd. Todd is yep. right here. We were filming for Josh and Todd, and we had to go back and do reshoots in the same bar. Just get, like, establishing shots of the bar, because we didn't get those. And we went back. It was, like, six months after we finished shooting the principal photography. We went back to get these shots to, so we could show that it's really a bar, not just the close-up shots. And there was we went there on, like, a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. The bar just opened, like, 11, 12, every time the bar opens. And, they, you know, they knew we were coming. It wasn't like we just showed up. We'd already filmed there once before. Now we're back to shoot again. The owner knew we were coming. The the manager on duty knew we were going to be there. We weren't we were handhelding stuff. We had a tripod too. And um, there was a guy in the bar who was drinking. And we're talking like noon on a Sunday. And the guy's already drunk. <laughs> and he's sitting on the edge of the bar. We're not even filming the bar. We're filming at the restaurant side where the tables are. We're going to film a little bit of the bar. And he he's like, and as soon as the camera's like facing that general, he's like, don't film me. I don't want to be in any filming. Uh, you oh. know, people know who I am, and I don't want them. I don't want to be in somebody's movie without my. And we're like, sure, buddy, don't worry, we won't get you. We won't. And then he gets up, and the owner named the bar's owner. The owner, his name was Ron. He wasn't there, but the his manager, bartender was. He comes over to us after we like move the camera a different direction. He's like, he's like, you know, I know the owner. Does Ron know you're here? <laughs> and I'll never. And before I could say yes, he knows we're here. My co-director Jim very calmly puts his hand on the guy's shoulder and he goes does ron know you're here yeah <laughs> the guy's like what he's like of course he knows we're here we wouldn't be here to film without permission and if you don't want to be in the, in the shots we'll make sure you're never going to be seen on camera don't worry you and the guy's like oh 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 and then the bartender manager came over and she's like leave these guys alone they have they have per they, they spend more money here than you ever will they can do whatever they want in here and he's like okay it goes back to his little corner and gets his this bud light and his his little half shot of whiskey and pouts, you know, and it was like, <laughs> you know, it's, is that the place that's the hop house now? It's now changed names again. Oh, really? Now okay. it's um the Salty Dog. Same owners as Hop House, but they changed. They, they have two different brands they own. Yep. Now it's the Salty Dog. It's awesome. I still go there. Because when it was the place that you're talking about, I did Central Cafe. comedy there before. Yeah. It, yeah. You did comedy there. Yeah. 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 So like, but it was like, but they had, a, they had an interesting crowd there and during daylight yes. hours. It was different oh, yeah. than at night. 
you know, they had the local, they had the townies there during the day for sure back then. I mean, every bar does. But yeah, dude, does Ron know you're here? Does Ron know you're here? Like, I was like, I wish I was that quick at that moment. I was just like, let's just get these shots and get the fuck out of here. So I was like, already like, let's just, I don't want any trouble, you know? And my buddy Jim just was like, does Ron know you're here? Like, of course. And then he was like, of course he knows we're here. That's, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have permission. We're not going to walk into a bar with a video camera without permission. We're not jerks, you know? Well, it's funny. Now, now you have a parallel with William Freak. I got to tell you this story. There, you yeah. know, seen in The Exorcist where he's, uh, Father Karras is walking by us. Hey, Father, can you spare an, a quarter for an old, old author bar? So that guy was a homeless guy. William Friedkin said, you want to be in a movie? And he was like, yeah, sure. I want to be in the movie. Yeah. He was so drunk. They brought him to the premiere after. He goes, when did we do this? He has no memory. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that story. <laughs> I was in your movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got we had to do some um, William Friedkin movies because I, yeah. I, I that, that book was great. I mean, the guy. I got to read that before we do it then. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give it to you because it's so great. But it's, I'll buy it. Just, yeah. Here's here's how when I started, why the reason I got this book, I was watching an interview on, with him, and they like you know Al because Al Pacino was in um what was the name of that movie? Oh my God, Cruising. Cruising. Yeah. So he goes, you know, Al Pacino really didn't like Cruising. He goes, I don't give a fuck what Al Pacino right? thinks. I was like, yes, I like this guy. Good. Yeah, that's what I like about Freakin is he's he's very uncensored. Yes, and, like, he's making his movie. It wasn't Al Pacino's movie. It was William Friedkin. If Al Pacino wanted to make a movie, he wouldn't have on his own. He would have made a different movie. Yes, he's an actor who needed a job, so he signed a contract and did a job. And it's not his job to like the final product. It's his job to do the best he can in the movie. Yeah, as a filmmaker myself, Elmwood has done some things that I look back on and go, "Oh my god, <laughs> I don't like that." But it was my job at the time to make that for whatever reason it was, you know, and. I'm not going to bat. I, I'll never say the names of those things. On, I'll tell you off the camera. You know, yeah, yeah. But I'll never say it in public because you don't badmouth. Harrison Ford, when he dressed down Shia LaBeouf, you don't oh, yeah. talk shit about the things you did because the, the, you should be you should be so honored to have the privilege to have done them. Yeah. You know, like I'm paraphrasing what he said. But yeah, you don't, you just, you, you, say, you can later on be like, yeah, it wasn't my favorite project, but don't talk shit about it, you know? Yeah. Plus, what he was saying was that he was. And no one talks shit about the Warriors, by the way. Sorry. Exactly. No, <laughs> no one no, who worked on that movie says anything bad about that movie. No. I mean, I, the four actors I worked with, the only one that had anything bad to say was Tom Waits, and he admitted that he was an asshole. That's exactly. But it was also, but it was his experience he was complaining yeah. about, not the final product of the film. Oh yeah, no, but like he, yeah, and he, I was mentioning more about working with Walter Hill. They, right, he, yeah. Besides they didn't that, get along. He, you're not going to get along with everybody you work. What's nice about like real life not hollywood is you and i go to work we clock in every day there might be somebody we don't get along with but we still go to work and do our job yes for whatever reason in the world of theater and in the world of film people heighten that and make it an issue you don't have to be everybody's best friend at work no. and i think if filmmakers and theater people and video people like us understood like accepted that not everybody's be best friends projects would go so much smoother Unfortunately, I think egos and insecurities and jealousy yeah. get in the way. Those are the, the, the way even more so because actors, directors, they want to be in charge. They, yeah. they it's their face on screen and things yeah. like that. I and I have an ego too. I, I'm not gonna. You, I'm sure you do too. You don't want me to edit a clown face on you in every episode, but I probably will. No, just kidding. No, I, don't. <laughs> no, I know. But I'm sure. But like, no, you know, I have an ego too. But at the same time, I want what's best for the project. No, exactly. And even though I might argue because I want my idea to be the best idea. If somebody can prove me I'm wrong and their idea is better, I'm going with it. Even if it's begrudgingly because I know it's going to make a better movie in the end. And then when it's over, I'm like, that's so good. We did it. 
there were yeah. things in Bernie's too that I was like, oh no, no, no. When we were making it, like I was like, I don't think that's the best idea. I don't think it's the best idea. But somebody else had an idea and you know, we'll just shoot it both ways or whatever. And the better idea in the end was theirs. Yep. So yeah, let's yeah, let's that's the one that's in the movie. You well, know? I'm gonna give you a perfect example of that because I think for me, one of the all-time best talk show hosts is Johnny Carson. I just love that show. Me too. And people were saying to him still my favorite talk show host ever. And they said, like, why don't aren't you worried about making the star the get or the I mean the guest the star? He goes, No. He goes, when people watch the show the next day, they're gonna say the Johnny Carson show was hilarious. They're not gonna say, Oh, Jackie Gleason was great. They're gonna say right. Johnny Carson show was funny last night. Did you see it? He goes, I'm gonna let them be the star. He goes, but now unfortunately, I think these new talk show hosts, this new era are so they're crazy. missing the point of making yeah. the, the guests they're there. Also, talk shows used to be like if Sinatra wanted to go on Carson for no reason, Sinatra oh, yeah. was Carson. Like if, if he was in town, Car Carson would bring him on. Oh, let's get Sinatra on tonight. Yep. Now everyone's on the promote something. They were back then too, but now it's about let me show you the clip of my movie and let's talk at some silly yeah. pre-scripted thing. Oh yeah. And then it wasn't. It was sure they'd be like, all right, we're gonna talk about these because you got to promote your product or whatever. But it was way more social. Yeah, well, a lot of times if there's a couple of clips I've seen where Dean Martin was trashed and and they were oh, like yeah. he's like putting cigarette things in um I think, I want to say Bob Hope's water and people yeah. don't know he's they're laughing they're just yeah and so they're just crying. yeah they're just having a good time yeah and like look like um and the Tonight Show was the pinnacle the Tonight Show was the best of the best obviously Carson was the best of the best yeah and as soon as it the '90s happened and Leno took over it went downhill that's why I preferred Letterman at that point because Letterman still had anarchy. Oh yeah, sure. He still did the promotional and all that, but his show was still way more freeform. Even yeah. as it got more scripted as time went on, it was still. And like, I I would love to bring that. You know, what? I'm gonna start a talk show, Rich. Let's do it. I'm gonna start, <laughs> I'm gonna, we're gonna start. Guy. We're gonna start our own version. It'll be on the internet. Yeah. We're gonna do like we're gonna have the desk. It's gonna be me and you. We're gonna be we're gonna take turns, one behind the desk and one on the couch. Then the next time it'll be the other way around. Yeah, I think that'd be uh, hilarious. It's gonna be, it's gonna be called the the uh, the um. The yeah. network of serentology or something, <laughs> and uh, serentology tonight. <laughs> first guest, first guest, Aqua Jesus, right? Uh, serentology tonight with music, you know, hosted by Rich and John, and our first, you know, we, and we'll bring we'll bring people on an interview. We'll, let's make an old school talk show. Well, let's funny. just do that. I'm sure you know who Andy Kaufman is, obviously. Yes, that's. Well, it's okay. So you, you know, know what I'm he used to make fun of the talk shows. He in, in his little comedy specials, he had he'd be at talk shows where he's like way up here, and the guest is way down here. Yes, like, hey, and I love doing? those specials. I love those shows. Andy Kaufman to me is one of my all-time favorite comedians. So, oh, like, my, me too. I love Tony. Because he broke, he he broke the rules. Yep. And he broke character too. I mean, he he did he did so he did it he did it different. And I, love I mean, look at my movies. You can't say I'm not Andy Kaufman influenced. You know? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I should have thought of that, but because I, I loved. I mean, I've read his books uh, in autobiography. It was written by Bob Zamuda, who was his yeah Bob Zamuda's book. Yeah, yeah. So I, I read that a while ago, and I just love the fact that he was ne he never let in on the joke. He just kept it going. This is oh. how bad it got when uh, the whole Jerry Lawler thing. Jerry Lawler. Thing, everyone thought they really hated each other. Yeah, his did, mother. Jerry Lawler to... held it up too. Yeah, his mother he, tried he... to sue Jerry Lawler. Yeah, like, mom. I'm okay. You know, it's, you're in the hospital. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's my friend. This was on. Yeah, he hurt me more than he was supposed to, but this was on purpose. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, like, like that's what was great. Jerry Lawler was in on it, and, oh, yeah. and what a great sport on his part to do that too. You know, like we're totally not talking about the Warriors. <laughs> oh, I know. I thought I knew we were gonna get down a tangent, but really, quick. we haven't done one of these in a while where we've gone off though. We've been really good about being focused the last couple episodes we've I done. Know. 
But so since we've done one, that's why. So we, also, a buddy of mine up. watches these. A buddy of mine watches every single one of these we do, and he said his favorite parts are we'll start talking about Evil Dead or whatever movie we're doing, you know, and then halfway into it, it's nothing. And he's like, and that's when you guys get good. <laughs> he's like, that's when you guys get good. Like, and then you're like, fuck, we got to get back on topic. And it stays good, but like, you're having a good time. Yeah, that's yeah. it though, Rich. We're starting a talk show in 2024. Oh my God. A late night talk show. That's there would it. definitely never be no, there wouldn't be any dead air because you and I have always something well, to say. I'm telling you, let's do this. Let's, let's have you and me. We'll take turns. Who's behind the desk? Who's on the couch every other episode? Yeah. It'll be the same show either way. Let's have a musical guest. Let's bring on a stand up. And let's have like a regular talk, somebody to promote something. Let's do it like the old school talk shows. We have that studio space, man. We got to use it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I didn't We have a couch there. Memory. We have desks there. We can build it. Oh, my God, Rich, we're doing this. We have to do it. We have to are getting Fullerton. Oh, It'll my God, Robert. yeah. And yes, he, Robert will do it. Robert, oh, yeah, Robert, Fullerton, if you're watching, humor. we're booking you. Um, All right. <laughs> but like, I'm telling you, man, Serentology Tonight is the name of the show. We have, down, do so don't forget. we have so many things coming up in 2024. We talked about this on one of our last episodes. Where yeah, the, the, the last, one, the last, the last, um, uh, the last one of um, 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 Klaus Connor for the year. We went. Over oh yes, that. yes. We yeah. were talking about like that. Then the, the show where we're going to watch movies and get drunk, and there's a couple other shows where you and I have plans. Yes. So 2024 is going to be a good year for both of us. Uh, I'm looking forward to name for that one. We're like giving everybody our behind the scenes stuff now, which is fun. I know. Where we sit and drink with like some of the Elmwood crew and some friends and talk about movies. You know, you know Jim Oldman, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I want him to be part of that show where we yeah, sit and drink and talk about movies because he's a movie. He is a movie snob. Yeah. Talk about movies, Jim. You're a movie snob. Talk about I, movie snobs versus movie nerds. He's very much a movie snob. He's a movie nerd too, but he's very like. You know, like it's a Criterion Collection film, and those are the only good ones. You no, know, but he's not just like that. I'm just saying that like, he's very into like that. He's a very film guy. He was. So he at, work, he's the one who worked at Borders now Barnes and Noble. Or yeah, he works at those two places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. So I, I, I used to talk to him all the time back then. Like, and yeah. your other buddy too, the one that used to do movies with you and write. I can't remember his name. He worked at Borders as well. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Jim was the guy who was telling that, that was with the Josh walked to the guy. Does Ron know you're here? That was Jim. Oh, that was him. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, he's a he's a fun guy. Yeah, yeah. But, but we got to get Jim. They're both named Jim. But Jim Oldman, we definitely got to get into uh, to that one. And maybe the hey, doc. You know, Mike, hey. the doctor. Oh yeah, my guy. You know, yeah, Mike, I would love him. to get him. Like, we'll do a Bob Dylan movie, so he'll show up. <laughs> but, but we definitely have to have uh, Jim Oldman. He can even pl- be character. He doesn't really have to be character, but he could be the movie snob and just start saying all these on, on the talk show. Maybe yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh my god, this is getting silly. Let's get back to the Warriors. All right, so the Warriors. <laughs> so we were talking. All right, well, let's go back to the uh, Apache Ramos. Yeah, so you talked to Apache, yeah. Well, no, Apache, I talked to Apache, this is more a Rob Ryder part because... Okay, I was going to say, look, to give everybody a heads up, Apache has two lines in the whole movie. He's one of the... Well, does his character even have a name? I forgot. If, it, if he does, I don't remember it, but... He's, he's, one of the, he's one of the orphans. He's the orphan with the afro, the short orphan with the afro, just so the audience might not know. So go on. And yeah. Rich has an episode in the playlist where he interviews Apache. Yeah, but the... This one is going to be regarding the interview that's coming out either next week or the week after uh, with Rob Ryder because he was the stunt court or stunt person. He well, Rob's interviews are already out. Oh, no, I didn't think it was up. I thought it was coming out Sunday. No, both of his episodes are already up. Rob Ryder? That was the one that you... – oh, I didn't realize. Okay, so I guess it's up now. Hold on. I'm going to go to YouTube right now. I'm pretty sure because right now Randy Schmidt's up. Randy Schmidt. That's what I was thinking. Oh, my God. I'm getting our names. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The two so Randy, Randy episodes went up the past two weeks. Yeah, no, those are actually, I gotta say, people. Yeah, love Randy, the Schmidt. So Randy Schmidt. When, well, so the Rob episode will be up 
If well, you're watching this, it's already up. Rob, Rob, Rob's episode will be up on what's say the 23rd. So that would be the 28th. Well, I'm hoping that we probably do Gorman Bouchard first and then him. Well, yeah, Gorman. So this will come out bef- after the Rob episode. We're going to hold this. We're going to do Gorman, Rob, then this. Yeah, yeah. So with Rob, they, he he says, um, Walter Hill said, find a car, get a city, find a street where we could blow up a car. He goes, okay. So he they said they had people watching, and his name his name in real life was Grandpa DeMarco. It was this old guy. And he goes, hey, man, just sit on the steps, watch this. And the explosion was way more than it was supposed it's to be. It's a big car explosion yeah. for a one Molotov cocktail. It wasn't supposed it's to like be when like It's like when the yeah. car hits the fucking tree in Phantasm and explodes. Like It's like when it was, it's way too much for what, what really would happen. But that's what makes it great. But you were saying, well, no, yeah. but the, the thing it was, that's what really did happen. It wasn't supposed to. And so if you see the guy go flying, that's Conrad Sheehan. Who was the? He played the lead punk on the roller skates. He's a stuntman as well, and he goes. He was that's him close to it. He was flying, and so piece of the car went flying, almost hit this guy who was sitting on a stoop. The daughter was screaming, lawsuit. She was screaming, yelling at him. It's like you almost killed my father. And he goes, I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. I did not realize I was going to do that. I know, but it's uh, they did not expect that explosion. No, and Conrad Sheen almost got. He didn't get. Hurt, but you could see him go flying. He could have got hurt. Yeah, he almost got hurt. That's awesome. I didn't realize. I thought I thought it was a big, but I thought it was part of the whole comical side of the film where yeah, everything's no. big, like because everything is big in that movie. The makeup is big. The hair is big, like styles, not like big like eighties hair. But I'm just saying, like Except everything is heightened, heightened, heightened in that movie. Everything is heightened. That's what. Yeah, or Seth Apache, this giant afro. What a great afro. But, uh, <laughs> I want to. I want to hang out with Apache's afro. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of these times when I go to hang out with them, you got to come with me because you're going to love. We got to bring them on this the Serentology tonight. I was actually thinking of you. Know, I was going to see if one of them wanted to be on the show tonight, but I figured out. But it's, I, the Serentology, I know they'll do it because uh, they're okay, cool. did every yeah. one of them separately said, "Man, you did so much research. I love being on your shows. Yeah. You're always prepared." So they'll they'll cool. definitely come in. I'm going to tell I them. Mean, like, as your friend, I'm going to tell you, your shows are always on point. You do your research. You do a good job, and like well, it's fun you. to edit them. It's fun to edit them. And then watch them or watch them while I'm editing them because it's just cool to see how you interact with the people. And one thing I do like about your show, a lot of YouTube shows right now, it's a lot of bullshit. Yeah. People putting shows up because they want the views, they want the clicks. So they're 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 doing things they're not passionate about because they want to keep their subscribers up. They want to. That's not your channel at all. Not you're not doing. All. You're only doing the things that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. You know. Sometimes you're you're night. Sometimes you'll bring people on that you may not even know that well, but you're still interested in getting to know them. Yeah, and yeah. that's huge. You're not like these like fake YouTubers who are like whatever the hot trend is they're making. You know, you don't do top ten list videos and all that kind of crap. You're doing what's you're being real to yourself, and that's a big deal. And I want to see more of that in the in the internet in the world. Oh, it's so cool to see much. you doing that. Yeah, I so, like it, yeah, you've definitely like earned a spot in this world of the internet and youtube and all that because you do good stuff and the people you interview all adore you so like well i think two yeah. of my favorite compliments of, of all time are like and, and many guests have said it's like one wow you really did your research and two is like wow i can't believe we've been talking this long they don't even realize it. we're just having a conversation like yeah. hey, we're doing now and they're like wow it's been four hours no wonder why i'm hungry i love that yeah, and, now, and then i get the video I'm like i gotta cut this into two episodes <laughs> because no one's gonna watch four hours but they'll watch two two hour episodes well here's what which I, is I always... funny because people will binge watch a whole series in one day on their couch 
No, exactly. And but they won't watch a four-hour video on YouTube. Like, but they'll watch it over the course of one day in two separate parts. Well, these same people will you know, watch the like, Joe Rogan episode, which is four or five hours. And I and he's talk- a yeah, I don't like him at all. That's another just, no. I don't like him. He he was a great stand-up for a minute there too, which kills me. You know. And I, lo- I love news radio. He, I mean, Phil yeah. Hartman was the one that made the show, but I just, well, that's why it ended after he died. I mean, yeah, it only exactly. lasted a year, right? Maybe two, but yeah. For me, for me, per- this is just my opinion. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me. I just don't really think he does that good of an interview because I don't think he just turns on the mic and talks, which works for him. People like that. He's but- more into himself. Yes, exactly. The only time the only time he cares about an interview is when he has a really big celebrity on because he doesn't want to blow it because he wants to be their friend. Yeah, like The Rock. I, I didn't. Yeah, see I want to. I want to be friends with The Rock, so I'm going to pay. Yes, you know. <laughs> uh, so I, I just don't watch his stuff. Yeah, no, I neither do watch, I. But I do know. I don't even watch his clips anymore because I'm just like I don't want to even give him that nickel. You know. You know, it's that's hilarious because this I used to watch them and just recent or maybe like about two or three months ago I was like I just don't even want to give him like yeah. same thing I don't, I don't want to give him the time, but the reason I'm bringing him up was that. People will, and when I, I don't listen to his show, but I listen to other shows and I listen to a half hour on the way to work, halfway in the hour on the way home, another half hour on the way to work. The next yeah. So I mean, I, I tell people, you don't have to listen to it all at once. No. And there's, and I always tell people, I said, the interview ends when we have nothing else to talk about. I'm not going to, sometimes I can only get these guests once. I'm not going to just say, well, we only have a half hour, so we're going to end so here. That's something that kills me is I've been a guest on people's shows, you yeah. know? Like, and they won't, and usually I'm like, hey, is there anything I need to know about your show before? And I'll usually try and watch or listen to an episode or two before I go on a show. Yeah. Because I want to know what I'm in for, you know, like what, what's their style? What's this or that? And you'll see like, oh, it's a 45 minute thing. And then I'll get on them, but they won't set up a structure. Okay. They won't like have a pre-chat like we did tonight. They'll be like, all right, we'll start recording right now. Instead of saying, okay, I have this structure I follow and we're going to hit the beats there. Okay. No, but no, they're just going to, or is there anything... Like I did, I actually recorded one on Friday last week, which was awesome with this guy, Zach. Yep. Um, he, he does this cool show about a lot of music stuff, but he wanted to have me on because he really liked Bernice and Head, which is really cool. So he invited me on. And uh, and those movies are, Bernice specifically was very music influenced anyway. So he, he understood that. And we got on and there was a five minute chat before. These are the things that I go over on my shows. Is there anything you don't want me to bring up? Is there anything you do want me to bring up? And keep in mind, I'm going to ask you to plug stuff at the end. So have that ready. Oh, that was awesome. Like I like, I know you do that with your people because sometimes I yeah. get, you don't always record until you're ready to film, but sometimes you'll record and then, oh, by the way, we, these are the things we're going to cover, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know you're doing that too, but I've done other interviews where the guy's been like, all right, we're going to just go. It's free flow. We talk about what we want to talk about. And then we're in the middle of a conversation and they have a little clock or whatever. And that was a great episode, by the way. Thank you so much for it. And it's just like, we were in the middle of a fucking conversation. Let it go a little bit longer and let your show run or edit something out in the middle that wasn't as entertaining. Like I've had, and I'm just like, oh, we're done. We're done. Sometimes I'm like, oh, thank God we're done. But because sometimes they suck, but like, (laughs) let it be free flow or have a structure and let the person know we have 45 minutes. My shows are 40 minutes long. We have 45 minutes to talk. Let's cover everything we need to cover in those 45. That's why I like your show where you're just like, let's just go. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 we were on your show. I'm complimenting your show, but your other show. Yeah. But this show is the same way. We did an episode of Real Talk. One of them is like three hours long, isn't it? Yes. You yeah. know, like I'm going to YouTube right now. But I mean, like, 
We've and then we've had like I think our first episode was the Evil Dead episode. I'm looking at our YouTube channel. Yeah, it was right probably now. like 45 minutes long. It was a short one, and that's when we you and I were just getting the flow. Yeah, Evil going. Dead is 43 minutes long. Yeah, and then um, our longest one. I'm trying to see. The thing is 123. Yeah. Well, we interviewed Reggie and Gigi. That was two hours, but I don't count that. Yeah. So our next longest one. Actually, your longest one I wasn't on was our next longest one was probably the returns episode a year ago when we came okay. back to doing it again. Um, the head episode was, was 90 minutes. Jaws was 90 minutes. So Jaws, we went on for a bit. Yeah. The rest of them about one, an hour, hour 20. Um, your longest episode for real talk though, the show we're on right now was their last one with um, Cameron. You guys went for two and a half hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was all about the, the, the curiosities was the, was that the one with Cameron? Oh, that's Rob Bull. No, it was Rob Bull. Okay. It doesn't yeah. show his name on the top. Yeah. Rob Bull, you guys talked, and, but the one before was with Cameron. That was two hours and five. Yep. Yeah. But like, but that's what's cool is we're talking about specific movies or specific genres or specific series of films. We're going to go as long as we want. Warriors is one movie. Yeah. We've talked the movie, the book, the comics, the video game, the toys, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, you know, like that's, and it's still, we're not done. We're, we're going off on tangents because of what we do, because we're friends. Yeah, I'm not editing any of this out either. <laughs> no, I, I don't want you to. I, I love, I always say I hate interviews. I love conversations. And most of these yeah. people, they, and you know, I think the most of the people that I've interviewed are thankful. Perfect example is one of my favorite interviews. I know it's 20 years too, is Ted Neely. Ted Neely, I was going to say that because he just was happy that you knew more about his career than JC. Yeah, we knew more than Jesus Christ Superstar, and he, he appreciated that. He loves talking to Jesus Christ Superstar because yeah. he loves being a part of it. But you really went into it with him, yeah. And he was just like, so glad you weren't just one. And as a fan of things, you could, if you look behind me, you're going to see things I'm a fan of. I got, I got the monkeys, I got the Muppets, I got '80s stuff. Like I'm a nerd too. Not everything is is there. I'm a fan of other things too. But you were also, but a lot of times, like a guy like Ted Neely, he's so well known for Jesus Christ Superstar. That's all people want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You went above and beyond. Oh yeah, like you know? his music. But what's funny about that is his his I want to say his manager agent, whoever was yeah. speaking for him, said people um, lose interest after forty minutes. Just make it forty minutes. So but I kept on You're talking. Like, sure. Yeah. No, but no, but Ted Neely said, "Don't cut a thing. I love it all. Yeah. Just keep the way it is." Ted Neely was so yeah. adamant. He goes, "No, Rich, we're you know what it was his manager." His manager was probably thinking like, like as a guy, you know, was probably thinking like, well, let's just, you know, keep it 40 minutes so he can move on with his day. Like, look at, um, you did an interview with a very famous bass player and you were given exactly like 40 oh, minutes. Oh, David Ellison. I wasn't going to say his name, oh, okay. but you could just because I didn't want to throw him under the bus because it's not his, it was his manager said you only get so much time and you still went over that. He yeah. allowed that because he was enjoying the conversation. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want his manager to get mad at us. They're not going to watch this. But and he was a great interview. Oh, sorry. No, but he was into the interview. Had a great time. You could yeah. tell. Well, that was funny. I was going to say, Rob Ryder said, "Rich, can we just make it an hour?" I'm like, "Yeah, no problem." So yeah. we did an hour and a half. And he goes, "I said, yeah, I apologize for going on." He goes, "No, Rich, I loved it." He goes, "I could have kept talking." So he. But at any point, he could have said, "Dude, we got to wrap it up." Yeah. You were like, "All right, let's just. I have five more questions I have to ask, or two more questions, and we'll wrap it up." You know. Yeah. But he kept talking, like. Like that's why I'm like, you know, it's almost nine o'clock now. Yep. I'm I'm okay. You know, I, I mean I gotta get up at six in the morning, but I don't care. You know, that's just how I am. But like I'm enjoying this because I'm glad to hang out with you. And yeah, I think fun. you're I think these new people that you bring on, you know, Rob Ryder, Dave Elfson, whoever it might be, they're just once they start talking with you, 
they're happy to talk to you. Yeah. And they'd like to keep going because they're you're you're asking them the questions that no one else asks. I think b- besides Taylor, the subtitle of this episode is John Kisses Rich's Ass. Sorry. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna say the Warriors, aka John Brown knows is rich. Not intentionally, but I'm just saying, like, but I think that's part of the reason why people don't mind talking to you longer than they would for a normal press thing. Yeah. Because you're a good conversationalist. Well, I think the, the one of the best compliments I ever got was from D. Wallace. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, you yeah. Made, I remember we, well, we had a separate little promo video. Yeah, for his thing. He goes, Rich, he goes, I've done probably a thousand of these. And the, we appreciate the research you do and all the time. Yeah. And I said, that means the world to me. Because somebody of that stature, she was not just saying it to blow smoke up my ass. She no, was, she meant it. She yeah, meant she, it. So she doesn't need to lie to you. No, yeah. she <laughs> doesn't. Neither did Ted. And that's why it's like when people like that. And so, But thank you very much. Because that, that really does mean a lot to me. When I love getting feedback good or bad but and most of the feedback is what you're saying and that really means a lot to me because- now, as an editor sometimes i'm like why did he talk to this person for four hours oh, i know well it's- it, but, but what i do is rich i'm making this two episodes okay now you're like make it two episodes you just tell me when you email it to me yeah, yeah break it down to two, or don't because there's no there's no good point to break it yeah no, no, and, and no, that's no. great because you're you've been on youtube now and you've been doing these interviews now you've had the claws corner for longer than youtube yeah, because I was on Nutmeg Chatter, which yeah. was the and, radio show. And then yeah. that, but you were interviewing people even you – know, you've been doing these interviews for a long time now. And you have a specific audience that knows that it's freeform. Yeah. And the people who are not there yet, once they watch one episode or hear one episode, they're like, oh, man, they just flow. I like that. Yeah. And if you like a structured interview, go watch go watch, go watch, watch the morning show on CBS. You no, know Exactly. Because I, I you see want that. and you have structure. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying if you want that thirty that that five minute interview, go watch that. If you want to actually know about these filmmakers, these artists, these musicians, these actors, these produce whatever it might be that you bring these rock climbers, whoever you're bringing on, watch Rich's show because you're going to learn something. You know. No, well, thank you. And that last one I did was um, with the Carpenters documentarian. Yeah. Oh my God. So do you own? Hold on. I'm going to totally snarf the Carpenters thing now. Do you own a copy of Superstar? The oh no, Barbie movie. You do, Todd Haynes. I got you. I'll make you a bootleg. Yes, I got to see that. <laughs> I Shh, don't tell anybody, but I own a bootleg. All right. <laughs> Secret safe with me. I will not I tell you, anybody. I'll, I'll rip you a DVD of it. I was watching it on YouTube, but the video or the footage is so bad. So I, I saw that at a found footage film festival. I love it. And the footage was bad then. I think the movie is just that bad. I think the footage is just that bad. Okay. I'm pretty sure the DVD I have is a, is a YouTube rip or it was a rip, the same rip that's on YouTube. And that's as good as it gets. Well, I was laughing because when you I when you were in California, you had a picture of the Beverly Cinema, which is Quentin Tarantino. And they and, showed it there. Yeah, and they, they were showing I saw Todd Haynes' name. And I was gonna talk to you about it when we were on the air, but then you and I went off on a tangent and I never got a chance to get back to it. But... I didn't know that I didn't I mean I'm not let's talk about the carpenters. Okay. Gladly. This show's going its own way now. Because I love the interview you did with the guy. Yeah, he was a great the guy. Whole thing. He's awesome. I wanna I wanna hang out with him. You know, no, like, me too. He, yeah, he just seemed like a cool dude. I'm sure you heard he's coming back on for Dolly Parton. He works with Dolly yeah, Parton. He did the Dolly Parton thing, yeah. yeah. Um, but like I, I, I'm of that age group. I was born in '75. Carpenters yep. were huge when I was a little kid. I'm a huge Paul Williams fan. Yes, he wrote Rainy Days and Mondays. He wrote a lot of them. He wrote, um, he wrote Morning. Um, We've only just begun. It was a bank. Only just begun. Like he's written. He's one of my. He's my all-time favorite songwriter, probably. Yeah. He wrote the Rainbow Connection, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> Come on, anybody. Of course, he's got to be. He's my favorite now, just for that. <laughs> he wrote, but he wrote all the music for Muppet Movie, the original Muppet yep. Christmas Carol, and Emma Otter's Drug Band Christmas. My three favorite Muppet projects ever. He was a songwriter in those. And so, going back to the Carpenters, though, like I, I was aware of the Carpenters. I, 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 I never owned a Carpenters album in my life. To this day, I don't own a Carpenters album for no bad reason. Just they were always on TV as a kid because we grew up in that era when the variety shows were huge and the Carpenters oh, yeah. had their TV specials, they had their Christmas album. They mm-hmm. And working in record stores, every single year I worked in a record store, I'm looking at the camera now, the Carpenters album, people would come in and be, do the Carpenters Christmas record? Every oh. year. There was two albums every year we sold. That one and John Denver and the Muppets. Yes. You, you knew that those two albums were going to sell out every single year for Christmas albums. Everything else could sit there. Those two were always going to sell out. Um so fuck Mariah Carey. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny. Every year we'd be sending copies of that back, but we'd never send copies of Carpenters or John Denver and the Muppets. Anyways, I didn't have like I didn't have like this huge love for the Carpenters, but I always thought that they were cool. Like yeah. and that that like because my age group, I'm a little bit younger than you, so by the time I was getting to like puberty, like Carpenters, she was already dead. This and that. Yeah. You know, but they were kind of like a, a the butt of a joke. Yeah. The Carpenters, was- this, this cheesy '70s schmaltzy stuff. And and I remember being like, it's not that bad. Like in high school, I was a rocker with the long hair and all that. And people like make fun of the carpenters. I'm like, no, they're not that bad. That she could play the drums. So I could remember that. Yeah. This wow. Pre YouTube, where you can go and look this stuff up everywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I remember like having those conversations. No, the but Karen Carpenter could play the. No, she wasn't a drummer. It's like, and now of course she's. Everyone acknowledge yeah. they didn't acknowledge it then. Then yeah. there was an area where no one did. And then I remember around '95, if I was a carpenter, came out. Yes. We we talk about that. And I know, yeah. And I remember, like, I was of the age group who was, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't a fan, but I was an apologist. Does that make sense? Yes. I was, no, you got to check them out, though. Like, because I, like, I knew their music, but I wasn't like, I'm buying Carpenter's records. You know, my schmaltzy thing was Paul Williams, mm-hmm. but he wrote songs for them. You he know? wrote a lot of songs, yeah. I didn't realize yeah. how many he wrote until this interview. Yeah, he was, he was one of the biggest songwriters of the 70s. Yeah. He's the president of ASCAP, I think, right now still. But, um, but for the carpenters, I remember that if I was a carpenter, I was into rock. I was into alternative rock, really into alternative. And alternative is such a broad term, especially for the 90s, because like Tori Amos was alternative and so was Red Hot Chili Peppers. And those two bands have nothing in common. Yeah. You know, alternative was alternative, you know. And this thing came out of like 12 songs, like Sonic Youth doing Carpenter's songs. Oh, yeah. you know? Sonic Youth, Matthew Sweet, Cheryl yeah, Matthew Crow, Sweet, Cranberries. Matthew Sweet. Yeah, like all these great acts are doing Carpenter's songs. And all my buddies who were like into rock were like, oh yeah, the, the I, I always thought they were respectable. Yeah. Like, Fuck you. That's where I want to go with it. And I love that this guy has this passion for the Carpenters. Yeah. And he does, he's not shy about it. Because it could be something I think about like a guy like him, and he probably got made fun of in high school for that. Yeah. Well, it's funny. And now he's at the last laugh. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny because he mentions we talk about that, and he said. So yeah. after she died, they became retro cool with all these different things that were going on. But it took like 10, 15 years before they got retro cool. Yeah. 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 But for me, I, I talk about this. I said, I hate when people say they my guilty pleasure is. I said, for me, I don't have any guilty pleasures. I don't I believe pleasures. in guilty pleasures. I have pleasures. Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. no, I don't feel guilty about any of them. That's why That's why I said it on the show. Yeah, you and said I said it too. Yeah, yeah. I love we have that same it. mentality. And did you hear? I don't know if you heard the story because it was such a long interview, but I loved it. And the guy was even thank like I don't know. If, well, you know, he started coughing, so he goes, yeah. I could, "If we if we could do a part two, I could do more." So we ended. That up was with, awesome, and then yeah. you did a part two, yeah. But uh, I bring up like I was on a cruise to Bermuda over the summer, and I heard oh Carpenter's Night. I said, "Let's go." 
I got up, started dancing. Everybody started cheering for me. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. So then uh, the next day, we had um, it was a bus tour. Everybody from that night was like, "Hey, Mr. Carpenter's guy." I got I got a sing along on the bus. I'm on the top of the world looking, and the bus driver's like, "What the hell's going?" I said, "Just hold on, we'll be right with you in a minute." We sang the whole song throughout the whole week. Hey, the Carpenters! And the the band asked me, "They're like, Rich, can you come to every show that we have? Because you're great at getting the crowd going." They love. That's great. They renamed the band. They said, we're going to rename the band. It's called Seaside Duo with Sir Richard. And I got up and gave a yes, bow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, the Carpenters are one of those acts that I think with the right, as a guy who worked in music stores and all that, right now, if there, I know Richard Carpenter is still out there and he's in charge of everything. But if yeah. he just hired a marketing firm to promote them, you'd see their albums go back in the top 10. If they put out a best of right now, if they decide to put out a new greatest hits album, have somebody remaster it, and get the right marketing team behind it. That album would be the top number one record in the world. Well, I guarantee it. But he won't do it. No, they probably he, he is so controlling. Right. Talk about this. And he's he, yeah. He, and the thing is, all he do is be like, I want to do a two disc best of, and I want to make it affordable, and I want I want to promote it on Spotify, on YouTube. I want to promote it on the internet, and yeah. I want to do like a special concert for TV. Like he could do a concert on CBS, a tribute to the Carpenters, and have other bands play their music to promote that album and it would do like the Grammys did their thing for Prince a couple of years ago. Yeah. They did the whole, and Sheila E was in charge of it and she brought it. And the next day Prince's albums were all the top 30 again. I know. You know, he could do that because, and it wasn't like old Prince fans like me running out and rebuying those albums because Prince fans like me already own those albums. Yeah. It was, it was people who didn't listen to Prince who were younger or whatever going, oh, 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 and then going out and buying Prince albums. He could do that right now with the Carpenters, but he yeah. chooses not to. I don't know why. He's sitting on a gold mine of music. They said he's so up. Like, I, I met a couple of the childhood friends of Karen. I went to a, it was at Cafe Nine. They had the premiere of this documentary. Yeah, yeah, you went to the premiere, yeah. yeah. And was, his friend said that Richard is so uptight. And so we talked about that in the doc, in the interview. And he said that Richard is so controlling. They did a thing with the symphony. He says, you know, normally they let the symphony do their thing. Richard had to go back, re-edit it. He goes, there's nothing really to edit. It sounded I, great. He just said. It's his ego. No, it's not even uptight. It's his ego. He, yeah. He, it's his ego. I don't know the guy. I'm just assuming it's his ego. No, but he, he knows him. He's talked to him and it is ego. It's ego okay. and he's he's a control freak. It's, in, it's, it's a great interview. I feel so. I mean, that, that poor girl never had a chance. No. Her mother and didn't couldn't even say she loved her yeah and like what the fuck you know like richard was the prodigy karen was just karen richard got all the credit for everything karen and the thing is she's an amazing musician i know you know probably a better musician he couldn't play the drums to save his life well richard got richard got mad he goes i'm sick of being considered karen's pianist and so the the, one of their man should be so lucky you know? <laughs> exactly. I know. It was, it's a weird. It's a, for people who haven't don't know what we're talking about, go check out this interview, part one and two with Randy Schmidt. Such, we'll link it. We're, yeah, I'll link. Even it. if you don't part. like the Carpenters, it's such an interesting, sad, tragic story. Yeah. And like I said, if you don't like the music, who cares? The story. Yeah, is still, yeah, if you're not a fan of their music, it's still like a. And I think I was more fascinated with their story before I found their music. Like I grew up hearing their music on the radio and all that, but I'm really learning about what happened because I was. She died in eighty. Three. Three. Okay. at 32 so, years old yeah so like i would have been eight years old i remember the news about it i remember like the karen carpenter's dad and i'm like who's karen carpenter oh that's this girl who sings these oh wow i didn't understand what any of that was i was eight years old and then i was fascinated in like my for briefly in my 20s like and even like now i'm still fascinated by the concept of like what went on 
that's how I saw, I saw Superstar. I went to I went to a, a found footage film festival, and if you've never been to a found footage film festival, go to one. Um, and and it's just people find weird shit and show it. And somebody had the 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 movie of the night was a bunch of weird shorts, and it was going to end with Superstar. I didn't. Even, I just saw Superstar. Okay, it's it's an hour long movie. Whatever. I'm going to go see the half hour of all these shorts. It's like going to an animation film festival. You don't know what you're going to get or any film yeah. festival. It was a one night thing. Half hour of all this weird shit. Some of the Winnebago Man clips showed. Like that's how I first found about Winnebago Man was the same night. You know, and I love that. And then Superstars. And as soon as it started, I was like, what the. F- Oh, this is Carpenter. Is this Karen Carpenter? And then I'm seeing this skewed version of what happened because obviously it's this weird Barbie movie, um, and it's his take on what happened. It's very much like a melodrama. You've seen it, you know. Oh yeah. Um, but then I was like, I want to know more about why she got sick and what was going on. I, I just oh, she died from anorexia. That's a drag. And then I, being the nerd I am, went home, got on the internet. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, she went through all this, you know. Yeah, she never, like you said, the poor girl never had a chance. The first thing her mother said when they came to film the TV movie was, I wanted to let you know I didn't kill my daughter. So she knew that she, I mean, they went to therapy. What the, f- you know, like. Yeah, well, there's a scene in the movie, in, which actually, I don't know, like, I don't know. Who played her in the movie? What? Who played her in the movie? Cynthia Gibb from Fame. Cynthia That's Gibb. what it was. Yes, yeah, Cynthia Gibb, one of the Gibbs, the Gibbs sister. Yes, okay. Yeah. So I was going to say. I so, remember that. Yeah, that was a TV movie. Yeah. yeah. And what was funny about it is that, the one who played the mother was the one who played Nurse Ratchet, uh, Louise Fletcher. And they said that made it even, he goes, every line that she does makes it even creepier because of who played. Because you think about what she's done in the past. Yeah. yeah. No, she was just so horrible. to her. There was a scene and they said um, one of uh, her best friends was in that room and he, inter- he interviewed her for the documentary where they're like, go around, tell Karen you love her. And the mother couldn't say it. She goes, she, why would I have to say it? She, she knows how I feel. No, just tell her. The whole family said, we oh, love you, Karen. And she never felt love from her mother. She was always trying to- Can you to- imagine being in that kind of abusive family? Of course oh, she never had a chance. That, oh, that hurts. And then the worst thing was that she did a, she, uh, Richard had a quaalude problem. He was hooked on quaaludes from his mother. His mother said, gave all oh, this will help you get to sleep. He got hooked on it. So she was going to do a solo album. He was so pissed off. So she he goes, you could do, but just don't make any disco songs. First thing she said was, I love Donna Summer. Let's do that. Disco she had, song. She had Billy Joel's band, and they yeah. loved her. Paul Simon was there. You know, she's yeah. a rock star. So and that the, album didn't come out till long no, after she 96. Died. She put Okay, four, so was it 96 or 97? Said 96. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, 96. Okay. Maybe. Uh, I think it was closer to 2000 that it came out. You know why I'm saying that? Because I remember when it came out, I was working in music stores. Yeah. I'm going to nerd out and look it up while we're talking. Yeah, so I'm remember... sure it's 96. Well, that's what we were talking about in the interview, but maybe. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe like yeah. a reissue came out in 2000. That's probably what I'm thinking of, yeah. But so while you're doing so she spent $400,000 of her own money to do this. To make her own album, yeah. And then so the, all she really wanted in life was Richard's approval. And so Olivia Newton-John was there. And she said, first thing to Richard said, this is shit. So she of didn't course, have to release he was mad. it. Yeah, he was mad. That's all it was. There's, oh, it's, it's such a sad It was story. 96. You're right. It was really, you know what? I was working at Strawberry, so I was at a music store. I'm okay. just getting my record. I'm getting the record stores I worked at confused. <laughs> but I remember I was working at Strawberries when that came out. And, you know, it was this really big release. Yep. I don't think talk about that in his movie or anything. But this solo album coming out was a big deal because it was shelved. It was sitting there yep. waiting for all these years to come out. And I remember when it came out, we had people that came into our store and bought it that day. Like Carpenters fans. They were a little older than me. Yep. They were excited about this release because it was the first new Karen Carpenter or Carpenter's music in 15, 20 years almost. 
20 years if she died in 83 their yeah. last album was before that so it was yeah. over 15 years since they put an album out and then i remember the same people because when you work in a music store you get to know your clients coming back and complaining because they knew richard carpenter had edited the album no oh, yeah you know and they were like yeah he changed it he definitely changed it because phil ramon produced it right yeah, phil ramon yeah and that was and by the time it came out it sounded like a richard carpenter production yeah he, so he, he definitely had his control on it and i mean don't sue me i'm just saying these things you know no, no believe me if you if people watch the interview um randy who talked to all these people that know him that's exactly what he did okay yeah so it's, there's nothing there's nothing you're saying that's not true and he, minor notes by richard carpenter i'm on i'm looking it up right now. so he definitely fucked with this yeah Sorry. he didn't he wanted he was just and it basically was just he was as you said he was jealous which i think is stupid because while he was getting help and rehab she could have kept the name alive and just had the name. Yeah. Alive, or just so don't her, let him, let her do her own thing. You're two different people. Yeah. And you know, was, like some of my favorite bands have, they're, they're, they have side projects for a reason to do something different. The best thing that I, I love this story. She was close to death. And one of the last conversations Phil Ramon had with her and she said, Phil, we made a good fucking album. That's exactly what good. she did. And I said, good. She finally realized that, that yeah. they, she, at least she did good, but she never got a chance to see it released, which is sad. Because yeah. she did so much work on that. Like like I said, $400,000 of her own money just to get it released because she was to so make passionate it. about it. Just yeah, to record it, yeah. And, and all she went, and, that, and that's what he said. He goes, it's sort of like when the cat's away. And uh, he goes, she had so much fun in that little time period because she was away from the family. She was with people that loved her. I mean, can you yeah. Kenny Rogers wanted her to audition for his band. She, he, Richard's like, no. Um, John Wayne wanted her to be in True Grit. No. Oh, my God. Imagine. Yeah. And Richard Carpenter wouldn't allow it, you know, no. or his, her and her mom, him and his mom wouldn't allow it. It's like, oh, people it's... are crazy, man. You, hey, hey, Rich, you want to you wanna do a solo project? I'm cool with that. Yeah, exactly. It's same thing. Just, I, you know. <laughs> for, me, for me, there is no ego at all. Like, it's just an example. No, like, say, just... if an example would be like, if you ever, if I had a guest, you're like, Rich, can I be on a show? Yeah, go right ahead. Like, or if like like you you you've done real talks without me, because yeah. you've had people who want to talk movies and I'm busy or whatever. Yeah. And if I if I if I emailed you tomorrow, I'm like, by the way, I'm setting up a real talk. I filmed a real talk with somebody else. It's going to go on your page though, because it's your show. You'd be like, that's funny, and let me do it. You wouldn't be mad at me. No, you'd probably laugh and be like, wait, you had you did one without like, yeah. and it's going to go on my channel. You'd laugh because of course it's real talk, you know. Exactly. Oh, by the no. way, totally throwing people in the bus. Ricky wants to do one soon. All right, let's do it. Remember when he's like, I don't want to do it last year. Oh yeah. Now he's like, I think I want. I think I want to do a couple episodes. I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> he's like, I was being grumpy last year. I'm, I'm, I want to do him now. <laughs> he's like, I want to do him. Then I got grumpy. Now I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to do. I want to do Richard's show. So yeah. Well, didn't he I'll, just I'll, do? Did he just do a podcast? Maybe he's got the bug though. I think that's you know. I think that was part of it. He had a good time doing that. And now he's like, you know what? I, I think I want to talk to more people. You know, like it's good to brand yourself. Talking about yeah. Karen Carpenter again, she wanted to brand herself as an individual. Yeah. And it's good to brand yourself. I'm an artist. I want to brand myself. Of course, Elmwood is the brand I'm part of, and and Rich Sear Channel, the Claws Corner is part of a brand I'm part of too. But also, I'm John Bristol. I'm a human being. I'm my own person. You know, so maybe I want to do things separate. You know, and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. And, and, and like, so yeah. So I think yeah, we'll get Rich. We'll get Ricky on. Yeah, he's got to pick a couple of movies to. And Ricky's up for movies. He that guy goes to the movies four days a week. Oh really? I, I mean, like I'm exaggerating. He probably goes two days a week and sees four movies though. He's a movie junkie. Wow, that's so he'll talk. You want to bring a movie? He'll be like, "Yeah, whatever movie it is, I know it. He knows it. He's seen it." You know. Well, I even told you before. I said, "You know, if you want to do the episode with Bobby, I said go right ahead." Because oh, I you got to talk to Bobby. You, you. Whoop, I just minimized. Well, this. no, I, I definitely feel a lot more um, comfortable like doing these interviews. With I'll be part of it with Bobby. Up. I'll do a real talk with the three of us together. 
Yeah, because because uh, but I want if you're you have to be with Bobby too because you guys have this energy that would be amazing together. Well, plus, I should we get back to the Warriors? Oh, we probably should. <laughs> Wait, what movie are we talking about again? The Warriors? <laughs> uh, I think we were talking about Annie, the the yeah. the, the, the TV remake from the nineties. Oh, I love that one. That was great. I never saw it. No, neither did I. <laughs> I've seen the original once. Yeah, that me was... too. And I, I, met, I met the original Annie at one of the conventions, but I just like I, the I just the the, the, the movie version or the the theater movie version. version. Oh, cool. She was, she was, I was walking. I didn't feel like. Uh, I mean, I wasn't that big of a fan where I got a picture with her. I was like, "Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice to see you." Yeah. Yeah. She, then yeah. I went over to like somebody from the Warriors. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we we we, I don't know, we went off on a little bit of a tangent there. We so I think the last a, time we were talking about was uh, we the Apache. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We were talking about the uh, Apache. You were explosion. talking about Apache. The, ex the explosion where yes. Conrad Sheehan, who was was almost killed, not killed, but he, he was almost hurt because of the explosion was much worse than it was originally planned, and they had no idea. So, so there was so much uh, with this movie behind the scenes, which I found interesting. That because they didn't have any money, they were just doing their own things, and sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't. But right, you know, like the baseball fear, not the baseball fear, it's the punk scene, the bathroom brawl. Yeah. They had him go all these different places in the Bronx, Coney Island, Queens, looking for the best bathroom they could ever use. He said he gave him a picture because back then they used to use oh, Polaroids. And, yeah, Polaroids, yeah. And he goes, I gave him all these locations, and Walter Hill said, nah, we're just going to build a set. So it was a set in a studio. That was a completely – That's probably the only set in the whole movie besides yeah, it was. the DJ scenes. Yep. And the part like um, – You know what, though, because they did so much damage to it, that makes sense they built a set. Because if you honestly – we're paying like Metro Metro North to destroy a, destroy a bathroom. It would cost you more than to build a set, probably. You know, and you know the the character Vermin. He's yeah. the, so he's the one who gets thrown into the the glass or, or the the mirror and the mirror. Yeah, falls onto the sink. That what happened there was uh, Rob was supposed to throw him, but he was so heavy. So they they did was they got a little mini trampoline. He lifted him, off. stopped filming. Also, he jumped on the trampoline, and then they had Craig Baxley, who was a stunt coordinator. His brother, his cousin, uh, he was the stunt man. So he got thrown into the glass, which oh. really was was wasn't real glass. It was, but no. when he hit the sink, that was a real sink. He goes, oh, it's, shit. He goes, it's not like those days now with the CGIs. He goes, when they did, when they hit that, they really hit it. They really hit it, yeah. But that that I love that scene. Oh. Because there's so oh. much, like he said, there's so much chaos going on. Everybody's getting hit, spray painted in the eyes, people getting thrown into the uh, into the sink. It's just it was total chaos, but it was so it was so much fun, and that's why most of the people that played the punks were either stuntmen and stunt, stuntmen slash furies. So the, the like Craig Baxley, Craig Baxley's cousin, Rob Ryder, and the Conrad Sheen, they were all stuntmen for the Warriors and other movies. They played the punks, and they also played a lot of the baseball furies. Okay. So they were the guy said why they, yeah, they bounce around yeah yeah but they Walter was great at that but he also did the punks because that scene is so physical people getting thrown yeah that was the that was the most like true fight scene yeah the baseball thing was more of a dance you know yeah. like it was very much a, a, a choreographed um the, the but that scene was like the truest fight scene in the whole movie and they that's also the bloodiest scene yes. You know, they they walk out with the cuts in the faces and the bruises and all that. There's not a lot of blood, but it's the bloodiest scene. You know, like it's the most for fights, it's probably the most realistic fight in the whole movie. I, I agree with you on that yeah. one. And speaking of Vermin, I didn't really you needed that at that point. Yeah. You had, you had to feel like there was a chance these guys might not make it to make the stakes high. 
And right there, you're like, they, you knew they would because they're the heroes of the film, but one of them might not make it out of this bathroom. And they all did, which was great. But yeah, same with the, with the Lizzie's. You, one of them could have got shot there and died. Yeah. You know, I'm glad none of them did because I like the characters, but like it could have happened, you know, and I liked when they raised the stakes like that. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, I just remembered this, Cochise, who's played by David Harris, I, drew, yeah. I interviewed him as well. He was originally supposed to be killed by the Baseball Furies, but they changed it all around and they had him meet one of the Lizzie's. Yep. So they kept his character alive because Walter Hill liked him. And Tony Danza was originally supposed to play Vermin, but he got tagged. Yeah. The taxi was in the way, right? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm glad well, because I mean, I like Tony Danza. I think he might be do a good job. But you know, the guy who played Vermin is so great. I think I like the fact they're all it. unknowns for the most reason. Yeah. I, for, but back then, Tony Danza wasn't unknown. Yeah, you're right. I, you I, know, I, Taxi I, was I, just coming out. He was barely known. He wasn't the star. It was Judd Hirsch's show. Oh, yeah. You know, but, um, and we and when we think of Tony Danza now, we think of corny Tony Danza. Back then, he was just an actor. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I didn't even think about that when I was reading it. I said, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, we don't. We think of him as the guy who's tried to be a singer now and have a talk show and do all these corny things later in his career. But back then, he was Tony Danza. He was this young Italian guy who could have done that. Like, you know, he could have definitely pulled the gang member thing off back then. Now, no, he's he's kind of cheesy. You know, he became cheesy. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to be mean to Tony Danza, but he kind of got cheesy. You know, I'm hoping- make your the boss reboot Tony Danza. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm hoping. I just uh, his name is Terry Mikos is the okay. guy who played Berman. I he just friended me on Facebook because he's you might get him on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk. I didn't get a chance to. Uh, I just he just friended me because he's and it's the real guy because uh, there's this thing called Orphan Nation Apache Ramos. Uh, yeah. together and he tagged terry in his picture it was a picture of vermin he goes oh yeah great terry michaels happy birthday whatever it was so i clicked on him like add friend and i guess friend. i think i'm friends with most of them and so he he friended me so i'm gonna reach out to him i'm not sure what he's doing now but uh, every so far everybody's had an interesting story you know, the worst that happens is you reach out to the guy and say hey i want you on my show and he says no yeah exactly actually the worst that happens is he doesn't reply yeah the second worst that happens is he says no the best that happens is we get him on the you get him on the show, yeah. you know. And even if he's not a good interview, which I can't imagine, he he wouldn't. I, you be- know, even if you're just going to talk warrior, if he never acted yeah. again, I don't know if he, we could go on IMDb and look him up. But if he never acted again, he'll have some stories about warriors, and that's what you want to talk to him about. So oh, yeah, exactly, no, the, yeah. and I'm sure that he would even give me more stories because he was in pretty much every scene. T- Tom yeah, he, oh yeah, that guy was in the movie. He's yeah. yeah. So that, that's I'm I'm going to reach out to him soon, and hopefully we'll add that to the. Uh, Come on, play a playlist. Playlist, the playlist. Um, yeah, man. Like, but I love this movie. I'm not trying to wrap it up. I'm just saying, like, I love the Warriors. I'm glad that we've been doing this for like four years now. We're finally talking about the Warriors. Yeah, I'm actually glad we waited. Me too, because you got to talk to all these other people and have this cool insight. Yeah, I got to watch those and learn. And, And now we're talking about our experiences with it. And, and like, do you so so as the as a nerd, you've bought the action figures. Oh, yeah, bought the action figures. Have the movie. The only reason I don't play have video you ever games. Have you bought the comic books? You're not a, you you not you and I don't play video games. We're not. Gamers. No, and I don't play video games. And I do have I had the Phantasm comic book. I don't. I have Evil Dead. I, I, don't, the, I never, never bought the, Never. That's okay. Like, no, but I, I would like to though. I never even thought. Of that sometimes before. these, as a guy who was a huge comic book collector for years, yeah. Some of these movie spinoff comics are garbage. Like I haven't read the Warriors one, so I'm not saying that about the Warriors one. Yeah. But I'm saying a lot of times they're just cash grabs. Yeah. Like those Ash versus Freddy versus Jason comics, garbage. Yeah. 
They're, they're not good. You, the art is just, and, but because the, they know people are going to buy it based on the name, you know, like, oh, unrelated. Do you know who Trick or Treat Studios? They make like a lot of Halloween costumes for adults and stuff. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, you see, they announced yesterday or today they're making Tall Man as masks. No, they're making Tall Man face masks, and they're making the the little goblin, the little goblin guys. They're making those, those faces as masks. I saw that today on Facebook. I'll send you the link later. What what got my attention is I follow them on Facebook, and they're making crow masks. And I'm like, who's gonna want to wear a Brandon Lee mask? That's weird. Yeah. Then I clicked it. They're doing two masks. One of the comic book art. And then one of Brandon Lee. I'm like, but the comic book art, you never see merch, merch based on the comic book. I'm like, I'm going to be buying that mask. I'm buying the Crow comic book mask. You know, I want that version. Brandon Lee mask, that's a little weird. You know what I mean? Because he died making the movie and all that. I don't want to wear a death mask, you know. But the comic book art, you never get that on stuff, you know. It's always based on the movie version of the Crow. I guess and then out. I'm like, scrolled down a little further. I'm like, wait, Phantasm Master coming out? Tall Man Mass? I'm right. buying that. Because yeah. he didn't die making the movie. It's not weird like that. You know, like, so I'm like, I might need a Tall Man Mass. I got to tell Rich. And now here. Yes, I, that one I'm definitely going to buy. I'm gonna, I, while we're talking, I'm going on Facebook. You know, it's funny because um, um, I think we talked about this before. Uh, was it? Um, oh, my God. My, Matt and Trey Parker. Matt and yeah. Trey Parker. They, they're about our age and there's a that what made me think of this is the the little jawas that i call them in the in phantasm the yeah, they, they they weren't supposed to be jawas but yeah we'll keep our i'm calling them goblins to not say the word jawa yeah well no, the reason i bring that up like there's a scene in the movie where he sees one and he takes the little hammer he hits his brother on the foot he goes my fucking my foot, fucking foot. Yeah. But, but the seat the next line he goes hey maybe it was that retard timmy down the street i'm thinking that maybe south park got timmy from Fantastic. oh they definitely did no they definitely did man because there's so many things that i watch i'm like oh my god that like they have no. the same taste as us they, that's said, too obvious they yeah. definitely did i love that line <laughs> No, they definitely got that from that. You're you're not wrong at all. And if you ask them, they're probably like, yeah, because they're definitely Phantasm fans. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I I I love. I still love South Park. I just watched. Did Me you too. watch? The, did you watch the one about Disney? It's hilarious. I haven't. No. Oh my god, it's talking about. I haven't about... watched a lot of stuff like the past two years. I, I I decided I just got Max like two years ago. Okay, yeah. And what I'm doing is I'm literally doing a a a, a South Park world tour. I'm starting with season one. I'm working my way back up to the new stuff. Yeah. Just watching it all fresh again for the first time. And it's kind of exciting. Because well, I'm seeing episodes of... I forgot about. You know, well, I know. That, well, they do a lot of specials, too. And one of them they was do. about yeah. um, Kathleen Kennedy making everything woke. It's hilarious. And I'm waiting till I get there for that. You know, I might have a different opinion than you on Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. So, like, I, I just feel like that she got a shit job. Yeah. You know, she's trying. she's doing the best she can with what Disney's letting her do. Yeah, but the, look at look at the new Indiana Jones movie. She produced that movie. It's the best one. Not yeah. well, hold on, not the best one, but it's. I, I know it's, what you're saying. It's so much better than the last one. You yeah. know, like, and that's part of her her job. But even it's, if sure, you, it bombed in the box office. But that movie was made for forty five year olds, forty five to sixty year olds, not teenagers. Of yeah. course, it's going to bomb at the box office because guys our age go to matinees, not nine o'clock movies on Friday night. Yeah. Well, even if you Those don't agree with. But say even if you don't agree with what they're saying, it's still hilarious. Oh yeah, it's still funny. They have 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 black girl. They have yeah. Oh yeah, and that's the thing. Like, like, like I don't, I I don't necessarily believe in the woke thing when it comes to that. They're just being smart and finally diversifying. But also, people forget George Lucas married a black woman. Mm -hmm. He married her sister. You know, like yeah. 
it wasn't about that for Star Wars. He just didn't get a lot of black people in the old movies because he couldn't get financing if he put black people. If Han Solo was a black guy, Fox would have never made that movie. Well, it's funny you say that. You know what happened with the Warriors? Most of the I was reading this about the book. Most of the Warriors in the book were black, and the reason yeah. they didn't do that in the movie was because they didn't think it would be good for the box office. They didn't think people would they, exactly. And now, if that movie came out, it would be, be the exact opposite. They wouldn't hire any be, whites. There'd be whites, but there'd be way less. Yeah, as in, there, it'd be a, it'd be a more diversified cast yeah. for sure. And there's a, there's still plenty of black people in that movie. Like that's definitely a very diverse cast. Oh yeah, well that's what it's Swan, that's, but Swan. Being the lead, the lead male, then no way they would have made it with a black guy if they wanted to be a Hollywood movie. Yeah, well, that's now, what happened. Now easily could be a black guy. Yeah, you no, know? and that's okay. Like, and now is, and you know what? Let's talk about how they keep talking about doing Warriors remakes and reboots. Well, all right, that's what I wanted to get to because first one is going to be done by Ridley Scott, not Ridley Scott, um, Tony Scott. Tony Scott. You know what I say to that? No, yeah. style yeah. over substance, right there. Yeah, so that one didn't happen because he no. jumped off a bridge because he was dying and he killed himself. But now the guy that did Hamilton was it Lynn Miranda? And you know Lynn 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 Manuel Miranda. Miranda. He's doing a musical, but from what Rob was saying, he's doing more from Sol Yorick's book, which Rob says is a big mistake because the book is. Yeah, I disagree. Lot, you know why? Different. Why? Remember when I went when I said I want to see a different thing? Yeah. I, you know, no one goes if, if we if you and I decide tomorrow we're gonna make Tom Sawyer the movie. No one's gonna say, "Oh, they're doing a reboot of Tom Sawyer." They're gonna say, "Oh, Rich and John doing a new version of the Tom Sawyer book as a film." And that's what you do. You go back to the book, and you do a new interpretation of the book. Because I don't want to see a remake of the Warriors. There's nothing. There's no reason to remake that movie. It still holds up. I don't want to see a remake of Psycho. But Psycho was a book first. Yeah. Now, if somebody said, I got the rights to the book, I went back to the book and I wrote a brand new script without thinking about the old movie, and I'm doing a new movie based on the book, I'm interested. Well, perfect example of that is John Carpenter's The Thing. It's based on the story who goes there. You're right. And he went back. Now, sure, the movie was called The Thing for Another Planet, so he used that as part of his title. Yeah. But he did a new adaption of the concept. But like I said, there's been a million Tom Sawyer movies. No one calls one a remake of another or a reboot of another. It's just a new adaption of the book. Well, you mentioned so Psycho. Gonna, what? No, say so you mentioned Psycho. I mentioned Psycho Dan... because it did a remake, but it was a remake of the movie. No, but it was it was frame by frame, shot by shot remake. Yeah. So why? I said, why would they even bother? Because it was that? in color. Oh my god, just... that was a lot. Because new audiences won't go see this classic movie unless it's in color. First off, then fuck them. Exactly. Secondly, it was a cash grab. Let's be real. Um. But that's what I'm saying. If you're going to go back and do a new version of the Warriors, what I want to see is I don't want to see a remake of the movie. I, I would rather see a new adaption of the book. Yeah. Use elements from the movie because the movie was popular. Absolutely. But do a new version of that book as a movie. Like there's a there's a new Crow movie coming out this year. I, I'm a huge fan of the Crow. The whole hype about it was it's not a reboot. It's not a remake. We went back to the comic book. And then everyone involved was like, this movie has nothing to do with the comic book. Mm-hmm. They're just using the title again and telling and using the character names, which is disappointing. And it's going to suck. Um, but I'd rather see uh, if you're going to if you're going to do a new new version of the Warriors, do a new adaption of the book. If you want to can if you want to go back to the original movie, show me what they're doing now. Do a forty five year later sequel. Well, all right. Well, no, it's funny you say you said that because. Rob Ryder wrote a script. It's called. Yeah, and that's never going to get made. That's a fan film. I'm not trying to be a dickhead it would about be it. Fun. No, but it would be fun, though. Yeah. I, I, I because would love the reality it. is, if you look at what gangs are, most of those guys aren't alive right now. 
most of those characters wouldn't have survived to 2024. So if Rob Ryder wrote that movie, I, you know, I've never read a script, neither of you. I hope the movie has that reality in it where he wrote it, where a good chunk of these characters didn't survive. They're dead. And also he wasn't one of the warriors, you know, what, what's he writing from the point of view of? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying there, but I, I think it would be fun just to see, like, because Swan's going to be there. Yeah, I want to see where they are now. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what I would do if, if it was if I was if, if somebody came to me today, if, we, if Paramount came to me and they said, "John, we want you to remake. When we do a sequel to Warriors, what would you do?" I'd be like, "All right, we're going to pick up 45 years later, 50 years later, whatever. Let's see where these surviving actors are, the ones that are still alive. We'll write it for them. But what really happens to gang members 45 years later? Because you can't do a rehash." Well, no, but you did you have them on the run again? Did you, where did you hear guys... what this one's about, though? This is no, the one I don't remember. Oh, they're going to be at a convention, like the chiller convention, yeah. and there's going to be. That's right. It's not actually about the characters; it's about no. them as the actors. Yeah, yeah. So that's no, why no, I think it, that's, that, that's, that's 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 my name is Bruce. Yeah, yeah. And that's that kind of movie. I, that's a whole different thing. That's a that, I, that's that's a, a that's a fan service movie. Yeah, that's no, well, that's, I think that's what I'm saying. I think it would be fun, but you can't do the. That's a comedy warlords. Yeah. It's gonna be more of a co- in the in the comedic thing, but it's just like him. I mean, he said probably the only one you wouldn't be able to get would be James Remar because he's you know he's playing in the Oscar winning movies. But I was reading, um, I while I was the reading, real, his, but I, instead of a reboot where they just redo the same movie again with different actors, oh yeah, no, see a remake of the book from a different perspective, and I'm down with that. Have Lin Manuel Miranda do it. That's fine. He's a really good writer. I I have faith in him. I probably won't go see it. But, yeah, I think but I'd I, rather if, if you're gonna do something with the same characters from that movie, I'd rather see a 45 year later sequel. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I like that, and I would definitely see it. I think that if he's gonna do the, the book version, I think he should do a mixture of both. Like just keep well, some you, of the same characters for familiarity to get people to see it. Because if they see Ishmael and the Dingoes, and it's been, be like, it's what been the hell is this? It's been 45 years though. Yeah. And how many Tom Sawyer movies change characters? Mm-hmm. You know, I always go back to that because it's a public domain character that I've read a hundred movies about. Yeah. How many Huckleberry Finn movies have been made and they've changed things? And no one looks at Disney's 1955 Huckleberry movie and then Tom and Huck from 1995 and go, they're not the same. They're just two different movies that were made 50, 45, 40 years apart, you know, based on the same books, you know. And I, so sure, maybe use some of the same character names, but I, I don't know. Like, I just, it's just, if I want to see, those characters again that are based on the movie and I'm not going to get a true sequel. I'd rather just rewatch the movie. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, no, it, do, it does make yeah. sense. And that's why I really, for the most part, I very rarely see remakes. The only remake that I, I thought maybe was better than the original was Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. I loved his version of it. His I loved how he changed great. it. Well, I was also a huge fan of the original of the musical itself. Yeah. You know, and I love the old movie and this movie did different things. And I don't think one is necessarily better than the other, but they're both so different and handled so well. The change I think Spielberg handled the thing Spielberg did for modern audiences. He handled way better. Yeah, any other director would have fucked that movie up. Mm -hmm. Well, look at he's the ball. He is the only one that made a good Michael Crichton movie. (laughs) I know. Well, you're right. (laughs) You're so right. (laughs) <laughs> and he's only done one of them. He made two Michael Crichton movies. Only one of them was good. What was the other one? Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> you know what? I saw the first one a long time ago, as you know, from watching the show with uh, Nikki. 
<laughs> but Jurassic Park is. Such I a like. Movie. I yeah. It's a movie I liked, but I would never want to see again. The Lost World is the most jumbled, one of the most jumbled messes. I know why Spielberg did the sequel. He owed Universal a favor, and he did the right thing. Oh, that movie could have been so much better, though. The book was so much better. Yeah, the problem no, was, like... he was he was making the movie while the book was still being written. They were just using the same title. Yeah, you know, so they could tie it together, and. Yeah, but Mike, there's only one good Michael Crichton film, and Spielberg didn't. It was Jurassic Park. So I, I love Michael Crichton. I think I've read everything Michael Crichton has ever written. I just love his books. Like, Disclosure was a good movie, I thought, but... But the book was so... Oh, my God. It's Levels funny. better. Wait, wait, it's funny, because... There it, it is, yeah. yeah. I just, I'm reading it now. Or one of the books I'm reading, because I'm also doing a, uh, one of my favorite local bands. Not really anymore, but they used to be. was Fate's Warning. Yeah. So They're still around, right? Yeah. Well, so they I didn't realize I'm friends with the old bass player from the uh, John Arch days. And they came out with a book. Wait, oh say. wow, cool. So I'm Are re- you gonna get him on to talk about the book? Yeah, so what I'm gonna do is I'm I'm reading it now, but I'm friends with the former bass player Joe DiBiase on Facebook. So I'm gonna reach out to him and say, because probably about two years ago, he was, Oh, yeah, I'll be on your show and then Things got out of hand. I got life. busy and life got in the way and I forgot about it. But now this came out. So I'm going to read it first and then message them. Say, I'd love to have yeah. you on the show. So, yeah, have some have some things to read. <laughs> yeah, get his perspective on it, too. Yeah. Well, cool. well, but like going back, I'm trying to bring it back to 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 uh, the Warriors years somehow. <laughs> um, like, yeah, but like I don't I don't necessarily want to see a remake of the movie. I'd rather see a sequel. Yeah, they call it a legacy sequel now, but a sequel. For, or a whole new adaption of the book and if i'm going into a whole new adaption it would be cool to use some of the same character names but also i'm going to walk in with a mentality and i'm smarter than the average audience i guess of i'm seeing adaption of a book now i'm not seeing a sequel or a remake yeah you know a lot of people would flip out if it's not the same character names and all that well but it's not a re. no it's not that it's a new thing you know it's a reimagining it's not even well not even that it's just an adaption of a book yeah you know like stephen king has written a thousand books no one called when you look at the stand the movie and the stand the TV show. That stand TV show was not a remake of the movie; it was a new adaption of the book. Yep. Well, you actually, know, I, even better example of that is The Shining, because that's right. So what did I say? I meant to say The Shining. Stand. I meant to say The Shining. Oh my god! Okay, right. yeah. Shining. No, you're right. Because... The movie was the, this this Kubrick, Jack Nicholson film, yep. and then there was the TV two parter. That and they instead of going back to the movie, they went back to the book and wrote a new script based on the book. And I'd rather see that. You know, and there's so many young people now who maybe have never even heard of the Warriors that this would be a new movie to them. Yeah, no, if I, they I, go I, see this new movie, The Warriors, and it's based on that book, and even make it take place in the 50s, you know, have it take place when the book takes place. If you're going to do it, go all out, spend the money, and do it right, make it a period piece. They might watch that and go, Oh, there's another movie based on this book, and then go find the cool Warriors movie, you know, like make it so much its own that both movies can stand on their own. Does that make sense? No, it does. And that's actually what I let them both be their own thing. Yeah, I mean, for, for most part, I I know like all the movies I liked from the seventies and eighties. But when they do remake, sometimes like you know, I I love when a remake comes out because then that gives people like, oh wow, I, let me check out the original, and that brings yeah. the original back into the limelight. And I yeah. love when that happens, especially because- if the remake sucks. It makes yes. people go, well, the, you got to see the original. You know, every now and then there's a remake that's great. You know, or a new adaptation that's great. You know, but it also brings the original back to people's attention. Yeah. You know who does that a lot, and a lot of people don't even realize it. 
Quentin Tarantino. I mean, Inglorious Bastards, I have the original one with Bo Svensson. I when have people the original... try to tell me his movie's not a remake of that, I'm like, you've never seen it then. I know. And Django Unchained, there's an original, actually, the original yep. Django. There's Django. Yeah. Talking to him in the movie. So yep. people are like, oh, I didn't realize that was a remake. I mean, it's not even really a remake. That's Quentin Tarantino. He just basically took the title and made his own movie. Made his own movie, but there's still elements of the original there concept there. When people try and tell me that Inglorious Bastards is, has nothing to do with the old film from the 70s, I'm like, then you've never seen it. Yeah. No, I haven't. Yep. I'm like, but I have people who like they're Tarantino purists and they're like, he would never do that. It's like, then you've never seen it. Of course I've seen it. Really? You have? No. Yeah. Go watch it because it'll make you like his movie even more, though, once you see that version. You know, yeah. like I'm not saying go watch it to be a film stop. I'm saying go watch it because you'll actually like Tarantino's movie even more because you'll see the the few things he took from it. And you're like, because Tarantino loves movies. Oh, yeah. and he loves making movies from the movies he loved. You know, well, he has a great podcast. I don't know if you ever heard it's called Video Archives because he works yeah, it's based on the video story he worked at. He named yeah. it after that. Yeah, he, and he, Roger Avery, and Roger Avery's yeah. daughter do it. I love Roger Avery too. So he's it's great. Like, I love his movies. Yeah, because well, I know you're killing Zoe. He did the, what's yep. the one? Um, oh my god, I saw it, but I can't remember the name of it. I think I even have it. It's uh, as soon as you say it, I'll know it. But those are like the two I remember right off the bat. Where the because obviously, and I'm sure you know the story about True Romance, right? He did um Rules of Attraction. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, Th and he did Killing Zoe. And he wrote a bunch of movies. Yeah, well he he was I'm looking him up. He uh, he, didn't he write Silent Hill? He wrote Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was Baywatch. he was gonna write a uh, a new Phantasm movie. Yeah, and, and just that, and he wrote it, but it just never got made. Yeah, yeah, which is a drag. And I'm sure you know this story because Quentin Tarantino wrote the screenplay for the movie True Romance. Yep. And at the end of the his story, Christian Slater's character dies when he gets shot in the eye. And they said there's no way that character can die. So Roger Avery had to rewrite because he was the rewriter, yeah. He he um showed I'm not there's no way I mean, he refused to rewrite it. So Roger Avery came in and wrote it for the studio, the ending. Which I like the ending too, but I definitely I like that ending better. I like that he lived better. Yeah, me too. You know, I get where Tarantino was going with the nihilism, but like you were making a Hollywood movie. Yeah, and you had Christian Slater. At that point, he was huge. You know, oh, yeah, like you 90s, don't want yeah, ninety two, ninety four. There was that movie before that he did called Wild at Heart that he died at the end. Yep. And when people found out, no one went to see the movie. So you don't kill. You don't kill your your big. You don't kill your attractive, handsome actor. You know, you can maim him, but don't kill him. He also wrote um, Natural Born Killers. Yes, I would love to he cover on the show at some point. He he, he was I, so mad about the changes. Now he's more. He calmed down. Yeah, but I'm sure every time that check comes in the mail, he calms down even more. For the, I love know. that. I love the movie. I love. I love that movie because it was such it. a. It was ahead of its time as far as the commentary it was making. We'll talk about that. We'll we'll do an episode about that. Yeah, one. we have to do. We have. We talked about this a while ago. We we definitely have to have a Quentin Tarantino night because. Uh, yeah. I, I I love all his movies. Sometimes you know it's funny. Sometimes I don't like him the first time, but then the second or third time, I'm like, oh yeah, now I like it. Like, I've also had this thing with him where like a lot of his films, later films, aren't horribly rewatchable. Yeah. You know, like like like. Glorious Bastards, it's a one and done for me. I never need to see that movie again. It, it didn't make me want to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Uh, once my time in Hollywood is the same way. I saw it once. I'm okay. I don't, I get it. I, I, and I also saw the nuances and what's happening in his personal life as part of that film. I don't need to see it again, but I'll watch from dusk till dawn every six months. I, that's when you I know, I'll watch, I'll watch Reservoir Dogs once a year. You know, I'm not saying, oh, his older films are better. 
because no Django Unchained I could watch every every year too you know but some of his later films I don't think are as rewatchable that's all I was gonna say I mean first of all I love Robert Rodriguez who directed he's he's one of my favorite directors too but he's made some shit movies but he's still one of my favorite directors but I love that's when I realized that George Clooney is a great actor. Like, because yeah. that's one of the first times he played against type because he was in Facts of Life, he was in Roseanne, didn't know he, did, he was on ER at that ER, point. Yes. So he was just playing, he was always playing these lovable schlubs, these lovable good guys who have problems. Like, ER, he was a drunk in the beginning and things like that. And then he shows up and from Dust Till Dawn, he's just playing a piece of shit. I loved it. That's so charming. Like, yeah. I was, yeah, oh my God, I love that. That's still. And my top 10 horror movies of all time. All right. Well, I think we already know what we're going to be doing. Nat- Natural Born Killers and From Dust Till Dawn. We'll do the Tarantino written films. <laughs> Did you ever see Four Rooms? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw that in the theater. Yeah, me too. All this early stuff I saw in the theater because I was at that age. I was 18. You me both. I was 18 when um, Pulp Fiction came out in 93. I, I, so that I was like the moment for or 94. Was it 94? 94 for that 92. For so Reservoir. I was 19. Yeah, and I was a little bit older, so I saw this. This what got me mad. That's when I was really getting into the idea of filmmaking, ah. you know, the art of film. And '94 yeah. was a great year because for me that year you had, and this was about film. Like what made me go, oh my god, film is art. We had you had Pulp Fiction, you had Natural Born Killers, we had The Crow, mm-hmm. Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is the yeah. second best Nightmare in Elm Street movie, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um. There were a few other movies I'm drawing blanks on, but those four movies made me go, there's more to movies than just what Hollywood forces down my throat. Because yeah. Pulp Fiction, they weren't forcing it down my throat, you know? And there were a few other movies that summer, I was just, that year in general, I was like, oh, but The Crow was this independent, The Clerks came out that year. Clerks, that was oh, it. Yeah. Yep. And Desperate, Desper- not Desperado, the... Um, El Mariachi. El Mariachi hit American theaters that year. Yep. I think it was made in 92, but it didn't really hit America until 94. And like, so that was this great window of like, I was seeing movies that I never would have seen as a suburban white kid, you know? Well, what I loved, because back then there was this place in New Haven called York Square Cinemas. And I saw so many movies there that they normally didn't show. But one time I used to have to get up to work for 5.30 in the morning, but they're, they're like the unedited version of Reservoir Dogs, the version you never saw. So it was played at midnight at York Square Cinemas, New Haven. I went there. Where'd you live at that different. point? I'm just curious, how long was your drive? An hour. I lived in Wolcott. It was New Haven, so about an hour. An hour, so yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. even go to sleep. I went, got home, went right there, got, yeah. And but there was nothing different. I said, "What the fuck?" There was. I I looked at the time. They just did that to get you to show up. Yeah. So it's I. It was I love seeing it in the theater, but I saw it in the theater two two times before that. It's just uh, it was funny that that re, when you were talking about that year, that was when or that yeah, time. Ninety four was this year that made me open my eyes and go, I want to make movies. That was the year I was like, I want to make movies. I knew that that year, like, and it was the, those those movies that came out in that window made me really break down and go, I could I could. Clerks was the one that made if that guy can make this movie. Yeah, I can make a movie. You know, like it took a while before I got there, but like. I can make this happen. I just was more nitpicky before I got there. That's all. Yeah. But, uh, as long as you got there, which you did. And I got there and we're doing great. I mean, like it's a month ago right now, I was sitting in Hollywood getting an award. I know. So we did something right. You know, that's we're not I making any money, but we did something right. You know? <laughs> which I know you won awards before, but that's why I added it to the, um, the outro and to the, the award winning Elwood production. You know what? Out of all the awards we won, <laughs> this one is the sweetest. Yes. This one for Bernice too was on, you know, going back to our last episode we did together of Claws Corner. That was the, 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 we worked so hard on that movie. We did it during a pandemic. So much was going wrong to finally win an award for that felt so good. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, 
not even bittersweet. It was just sweet, you know? Yeah. So everyone who worked on the film, all the main cast and crew now have their little statue. I saw the picture, but he's yeah. out of it. Having a- yeah. We all filled it with champagne. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I did notice, I don't know if it was by accident or not, that Nikki didn't have one. <laughs> well, Nikki was, Nikki got sick and she was on meds that day. Oh, okay. So she's holding the champagne bottle. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Her glass was in her other hand. She wasn't oh, okay. holding it up. So she did have the glass. But she was the one pouring the champagne because she couldn't drink, which was a drag. She couldn't have, but like, yeah, she just got over being sick. Don't, you know, don't, don't have, don't even have a sip of anything if it might mess you up, of course. Yeah. But yeah, but she did have one. Yeah. Oh, good. I have one. We still have one sitting in the studio for one more person who couldn't make it that night. So yeah. Yep. Well, once again, still sitting in the box ready for her to come get it, Jess. Yeah. But well, like, uh... like back on Warriors, like this movie was something we both got to watch when we were young. Mm-hmm. I think it both affected us, obviously, yeah. for two good reasons. One, we love the movie, we quote it, we talk about it. And and two, it was like of that era for us. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. And what yeah. I think what I think it proves, because I can't stand when people say, Oh, you can't you can't have young kids watch movies that are so easily influenced. I watched these movies, I was by the time I was 13, I was so desensitized by anything. Nothing scared me, nothing well, bothered me. I don't know. It's between you and and shitty parents. Your parents raise you to know what the difference between real and fake is. That is true, yes. So you understood a movie's not real life. You know, you're gonna go to the movies, you're gonna watch this for entertainment. It's not how you're really gonna live your life. Yeah. My parents were the same way. I saw Robocop in 87 when it came out when I was 12. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Was I freaked out when his hand got shot off because it looked so real? Yes. But I also knew it was fake. And then I was home that night going, how'd they do that? That's how your brain worked too, because your your parents raised you to understand that real is real, fake is fake, movies are fake. Shitty parents don't raise their kids properly. No, that's true. And some parents don't want their kids to see stuff like that. I get it. You know, let, let them get a little older. Your parents understood you were mature enough to handle it even then. Yeah. But yeah, like I've never seen a movie and then laughed a movie going, I'm going to kill somebody because there was murder in it. I didn't walk out of natural born killers ready to kill people. No, exactly. I think it actually made, like, like as I mentioned, I said the word before, I was so desensitized. Not that yeah. I was, uh, just nothing really scared me, nothing bothered me, because I was already... And you knew um, it wasn't real. To it. Like, I knew it wasn't real. And I watched I watched somebody get killed in real life once, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, it was, a car, it was a car accident. It wasn't like somebody murdered somebody, but I watched a car accident happen that killed the person. That's a different viewing experience than watching a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you say you're desensitized, if you were there, it's a you're not desensitized to real life. Yeah, you're desensitized to fantasy. Exactly. So you, that's what I'm saying. You understood the fantasy of it. You know, you understood. And so when people are like, oh, "I would never let my kids watch that," well, that's because you haven't taught your kids to understand the difference yet. And some kids are just not mature enough. I get that. Like, but we saw these movies when we were young. You were younger than me. Yeah. But also, if I saw it when I was eleven, I would have been like, <laughs> same thing. But that's exactly what I was. He called him. He called him like the gay word. You know, like, you know, like. <laughs> I, know. I know it's not real life. You know, because it wasn't. These are actors. I've seen these actors and other things. You know. Yeah, I think, and you you said it perfectly. It's like because we were raised right, and we yeah. knew that and it was fine. Like most of the times, my father would take us to the movies, and every person would say, "I don't know if your kids can handle it. My kids can take it. Get them a ticket." And we we enjoyed it. And I saw, I remember- when I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, it was new. 81 that came out yes six years old my dad had already seen it and he told me there's gonna be a point in this movie where you might want to cover your eyes because he knew me well enough at that age and 
okay. The whole movie, I'm like, when's this going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> and then as the faces start melting, he's like, now's the time, kid. You know, like, and I'd watch the rest. I watched that whole scene like this so I could just cover my eyes. If And the only time I actually got, like the melting face, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. You know, but when the when the when the ghost face comes up to the screen and goes from the pretty angel to the evil monster, yeah, that freaked me out. That's when I'm like, I should have covered my eyes. That scared me. But it was so quick, and then it was over. Then I covered my eyes, but then I didn't want to cover my eyes. So I wanted to see the rest. I'm like, but he knew that that part would freak me out, and unfortunately, I was like this, and I saw it happen. Yeah, but for me, I, it was Jaws. The the scene Ben um, Ben Gardner's head coming yeah. out. Yeah, holy I, shit! Right. I remember the first time I saw Jaws because we talked about it. Like I was younger, I saw it on TV for the first time and all that, or HBO, or whatever. And my parents were waiting for me to see that scene because they wanted to see me react. And when the head came out, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> you know, like I freaked out." And then I'm like, "Oh," because yeah, I knew it was a. But it, that was like the, one of the best jump scares in history. Yes, yeah, so I was gonna say the the music and, and my dad, my my mom would tell a story about when that happened in the theater. My dad went, holy shit. And the whole theater just started laughing because they heard him yell that. And I'm like, I love that. I thought that was great. Like, I my remember dad it. jumped a foot and yelled, you know? Well, that was my mother. And I remember this so clearly. Like, it's, a, it's an experience that I saw when the shark jumped on the boat to get Quint. My mother went, ah! oh! jumped. And I was laughing so hard. I, I was seven years old when I saw it in the theater. I saw it nice. 17 times that summer as I talked about. That's one. right. Yeah, in our episode. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember my brother wanted to see Bambi because he was four years old. My father was like, don't be a pussy. And the next day he saw oh, Bambi's saw, a great movie. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. my, I know. My father was joking. So he yeah. saw Bambi with my mother that day. Next nice. Day he went to see Jaws again. And then he was like, shit, I should have gone to see Jaws. Yeah. Yeah, but it was funny. Um, he was four years old. He goes, come on. Go see Jaws with us. Uh, but Bambi's but, a classic. Yeah. That was... I, that was the one scene where the next 16 times when Ben, every time he'd go down there, I'd go like this. Just, I, I, you I knew it was see. coming. Yeah, yeah. you didn't want to jump the foot. Yeah. To this day, jump scares get me. And I love it when they get me. When the jumps, oh, then I'm like, I want to see that scene again because I want because I missed some of it because I was jumping, you know? Like, yeah. That's something I love about watching movies on DVD or whatever. If I get the jump scare, I'm like grinding it right away to see that scene again. I'm like, oh, okay, what I miss? Because I jumped the foot, you know? Yeah. And then I'm waiting, and then the anticipation's getting me again. I'm like, I didn't miss anything. Okay, good. You know, like I, I like being scared. I love when people scare the shit out of me. I'm one of those people. We totally got off the Warriors again. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking almost three hours and or is it two and a half hours? Yeah, right. This will be this will be a one parter. That's okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. Break this into two. Um, so yeah. So the Warriors. Let's uh, let's 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 pay tribute to the Warriors. Thank you guys for making that movie. Thank you, Walter Hill, for making yes. that movie. Yep. Thank you, Walter Hill. Thank you, James Remar. Thank you, uh, Apache Ramos, all the actors, all the people behind the scenes, especially knowing what happened during the movie and what happened behind all the work they put into it. I love the finished product. And I can, that's one movie, as I mentioned before, it's so quotable. I can never get sick of seeing it. I saw it again. You saw it again the other day. We both watched it in the past week. Yeah. Yep. And it was just like, not like, it was almost like watching it for the first time again. I enjoyed it so much. I was laughing where I was. I'm glad I watched the new version. The 2005 yeah. version, because I hadn't seen that yet. I want to talk about that real quick, because we didn't really talk about that on air. Walter Hill did a um, recut of the film, because he always wanted to have 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 a comic book vibe. Yeah, and there were no such thing as comic book movies in '79. You know, there wasn't a, there wasn't a a genre yet. You know, Superman was out, things like that, but it wasn't really a full genre. But he wanted a movie to feel like you were turning the pages of a comic book from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. And in '05, he got the he got permission from Paramount to finally do that because they ran out of time. They wanted the movie out. 
back in 79. So they'd let him make these cool comic book panels out of scenes. So it looked like you were, instead of like just cutting from the scene to scene, you were like, here's a comic book panel. It was looked like comic book art as the scene would end. They'd be like, and then meanwhile, over in this side of the city, and they'd cut to a new comic book panel. And I thought that was a, having seen the other version my whole life, to see this version and being worried because sometimes director's cuts aren't as good. I don't care what he says. Yeah. There's a reason why an editor recuts the film to make a better movie. But this movie was no different. It was just the transitions that were different. And it's like about a minute longer because those transitions made things drag a little. And he had his narration in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it did not change anything about why that movie is so good. So no matter what version of it you watch, you're seeing the same movie. You're just seeing a slightly different way of editing from scene to scene. Because he didn't cut anything out. He didn't add anything in other than that. Yeah. And that's where I got to find mine because I do have that version on DVD. I can't find it. I'm not sure yeah. if your ex-wife has that one of mine too. That <laughs> bitch. <laughs> what an asshole but, uh, but like um yeah but i never liked her i never liked her anyways <laughs> um but like one thing i was thinking about when i was watching the movie was there's a difference between a cult classic and a cult film mm-hmm. and the warriors is a cult classic yes. and the room you know, is a cult, cult film the room is a cult film a cult classic is a movie that stands up on its own as a movie it just didn't didn't get necessarily the respect it deserved when it came out, and the audience found it later, and that's why it's a and it did did, did well in the theater, but it wasn't gangbusters. It wasn't the movie of the year. Well, the one of the reasons was we started to talk about it was that they took it out of theaters for a while it, after the first weekend because of all the gang fights. Well, they told the theaters they didn't promote it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So like. I'm looking up films of 1979 to see what the biggest feature film, like what made the most. Say Apocalypse movie. Now and Justice for All. There was a lot of great movies. Yeah, Warriors doesn't make the top 10. No. That just tells you it wasn't the biggest movie of the year. I'm going to read off the top 10 movies of, of 1979 just to give you an idea of what the film world was like. The number one movie of 1979 financially was Kramer versus Kramer. Wow, which is a good movie. I like that. Great movie. Number two, and this is awesome, Amityville Horror. Yeah, wow. I would not have expected that. Number no, three, Rocky, Rocky II. Yes, I love that. Ver- I love that movie. I like that better than Rocky. So do I. I like Rocky two better. I love you. Know, my favorite part was like, one more thing. When? What are we waiting for? Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> just, I get number four. Like, Let's go. Number four, and I always forget this came out in seventy nine. Was Apocalypse Now? I, I like that movie. I like that movie a lot. It's definitely a sign of its times. Yeah. Number five, and this one's really surprising to me because I know the movie. Because I'm a huge fan of this this series. This movie is not good. Star Trek. Oh, the the original, the first yeah, one. Yeah, but I'm sure that did so well by brand name. Yeah, everybody likes um, the, the Wrath of Khan. Khan is still yeah. yes, the best. Yeah. Um, Alien number six. Yes, that's a great movie. Yep, I I thought that would be higher on this list. Yeah, number seven is ten. Okay, number eight Derek. we have our first comedy, The Jerk. I, I like Steve Martin. I like. I that. never realized The Jerk was that successful. I knew it was a successful movie, but I didn't realize that it was that successful. You know what I didn't realize is that Carl Gottlieb wrote that. Gottlieb wrote that, yeah. yeah. Um, Moonraker is number nine. Wow. Yeah, which was of its era for Bond films, but it did that well. And number 10, beating out our, our topic tonight, is another movie that we talked about earlier. The Muppet movie was the number one. Wow. The number I'm surprised that Justice for All didn't make it. No, and Justice for All did not make the top 10. But the Muppet movie def- definitely deserves to be. Well, the Muppet movie was a sign of its times as well, but that yeah. one movie, that movie still holds up as oh, a yeah. movie. You know, some seventies movies, some movies of any era don't hold up. Yeah. But if the Muppet movie came out now, it would still be hugely successful. You know, but um, but the Warriors wasn't in the top ten. It didn't do the gangbusters they expected, and then it found its audience on home media. Yeah. 
whether it was HBO or Showtime or Cinemax or the movie channel or on home video, it, it found its real audience after the fact. And that's a cult classic, mm-hmm. you know, because not only did the audience find it, but the critics reevaluated it as a great movie. Yes, you know, they, they liked it then, but they loved it more later. I think part of it was the critics at the time weren't ready for this movie. Mm-hmm. Critics 10 years later could go back and be like, I just watched the Warriors now that it's out on videotape or DVD and I'm going to write a new review. And this movie is great. You know, um, a cult movie, a cult classic versus a cult film, a cult, just a cult film like The Room, people don't go to it because it's good. No, they're going to it because the camaraderie of the weirdness. They're going to it because it's a yeah. bad movie that they can have fun with. There's only one movie that I think treads both, and that's Rocky Horror. I was gonna say that. Yeah, it's a cult classic on its own, but it's also a cult film because it has this audience that will always go see it. You oh, yeah. know, if if the Warriors was getting a national reissue this week, we'd go to a half film theater. Yeah, you which know, I like did in Connecticut, in, but a national release. Like if Fathom Events was doing it this weekend. They do probably two screenings, and both screenings and whatever thing they're showing in Connecticut would have that at 300 seats, there'd be 100 people showing up. Mm-hmm. Where a where if it was Rocky Horror, it would sell out. Rocky Horror is like the Grateful Dead of movies. No, no, yeah, but there it's way better than Grateful Dead. I'd rather yeah. listen to Rocky Horror soundtrack than any Grateful Dead record. For the oh, record. You, and me, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, give me Grateful Dead's greatest hits in the Rocky Horror soundtrack, and that Grateful Hit Day's greatest hits is still going in the garbage can. Fucking time warp, time warp every time. Time warp every day. Um, <laughs> but there's a difference between cult classic and cult film, and 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 the Warriors is a classic. Yep. You know, like, and that's what's cool about it. It took a while to find its audience, hence the cult side of it. That's you know the long term audience, but it it's a classic film. And, and I think the people should just leave it alone. Don't yeah, don't with it. Movies are being made to this day because of the inspiration of the Warriors. Oh yeah, you know, no one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna tell you right now. No one. No filmmaker that I've ever met says Kramer versus Kramer is why I want to make movies. <laughs> but filmmakers I've met, Warriors is up there. Why I want to make movies. You know, but no one's using Kramer versus Kramer as an example of why they want to make movies. You know, nobody, that's nobody's saying about. John Derrick's 10. That really got me pumped up. Yeah, like it's 10. But you know what it was? Oh, Derek. Like boobies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and 10 is a good movie. 10 actually is a good movie. But yes, like, yes. imagine if it was Bolero. Oh my God. <laughs> but that movie, you know, like, but, but there was way more boobies in Bolero, but the movie yes. sucked. And there, and what's funny is you, some people might say, Bolero's a cult classic. No, Bolero might have a cult following. It's not a cult classic. It's a cult movie. But people like it because how bad it is. And I own The Room on Blu-ray, and it's signed by Tommy. Yeah, I know. You told me that story. I would love to have I have I have a framed photo of Tommy over there signed right now. Framed of him, his headshot. You know, uh-huh. like, like I'm I'm not, I'm a, I, I love The Room. But I'm yeah, not going to tell you it's the best movie ever made, and the audience just had to find it. That movie's garbage. You know? Know. <laughs> but that's why it's so fun. I was gonna say, I'm glad he finally, I think, is in on the joke. He knows that before he was so angry about it. Oh. He's almost like Stephen King with Kubrick's Shining, where he's no, this is not right. But now he realizes, like, you're right. It's you're right. He's in, yeah. He knows that the, he, unless he's just like he just gave up. But I, I think like, he gave. I think what it was is he realized the money is coming in because of the joke. Yeah. So let's embrace that and make more money. Yeah. He's not a fool. The guy's a millionaire to start with, you know. So if he can make more money off the fact that it's bad bring the checks yeah, honestly yeah. god if somebody came to me tomorrow and said oh my god everyone goes to see head to make fun of it i'd be like really i know <laughs> they're making fun of my movie but they're paying to see it 
I, where can I go? I want to be a part of this. Where do I sign autographs? I'll bring DVDs to sell. You know, I'll be, I'll market my shit. I don't care. Oh my God. Yeah. I'd be the same way too. It's like, I have like when we made head, it was supposed to be serious. Yep. You know, and then we were editing it and we're like, it is puppets. It is funny. Like we understood. We yeah. and, and so, and it's still kind of an unsettling film, you know, especially if you're getting into the story, you kind of forget it. Like a lot of people say, I forgot it was puppets. And I was into it. Yeah. Great. But still, some of the jokes only land because it's a puppet. Some mm. of the scenes are only good because it's a puppet. If we made that same movie with actors, no one would even remember it now. Mm-hmm. It would be another shitty horror movie. But because we did a whole movie with puppets and played it straight, it's a horror comedy. Yeah. And it, the whole, Head is a cult film in some way. Not a cult classic. But it, we have an audience for that movie and people still keep... We get I get emails once a month. People like, I just saw Head. Holy shit. You know, and that's a cool. I just wish it was even bigger. I wish we could build the cult of head. Yep. We'll make that part of the Serientology show. Every episode will bring up head somehow. We have to. I'm telling you, man, I'm going to, I got to go to the studio tomorrow. I'm going to be looking at like, how can we move a couch here and put a desk here and make a talk show out of this place? We we are going to make this happen because that's a great idea. It's going to be fun. Just, yeah. It's just a throwback to the old school talk shows. Two cameras, just, yeah. Yep. Oh my God! And we'll just do it the Johnny Carson way. Just come. That's on. what I'm gonna say. Yeah, we just bring a guest on, have a stand-up, stand up, stand up, do their jokes, bring them to the couch, talk to them after. Literally make an hour-long show that is timed out. You know, this, 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 and this musical guest, stand-up comedy, celebrity on the couch. You know what would have been great is if Weebo was still alive. He'd be the oh my sidekick. God. He'd be the best. We'd have her be. We'd have him be like the announcer. You know. Be, <laughs> oh my God, I miss Weebo. That would be great. Oh, I, I would love that. Right. Oh. R.I.P. Weebo. We love you. R.I.P. Weebo. Rest in peace. I miss you, man. Like. Yeah, that would have been. He'd be a great addition. So we'll have to find somebody like Weebo. Yeah. We have that. Like, we knew it. The, everyone watching this episode now is like, we've given up. Um, <laughs> We have to have a band. Having a good time, though. That's all that matters. We have to have a band. Oh my God! Yes, I'm sure. Like, we got to find a band that's gonna could be there. Well, we do a different band every episode. It'd be the house band for the episode. Yeah, you, well, know? you, you know a lot of bands, but I do. Definitely yeah. Robert could be a band for one week. He, he, Robert could be one episode. We're different. So the musical act would be the band for the night and the musical act. That's all right. I'm gonna write that down. You have to get Skagnetti. I'm literally making notes. Skagnetti. Oh, I'll ask them. Yeah. If they're. I mean, like I said, you know, a lot, you know a lot of the bands in this area. So, well, we've worked with a lot of them, so that's nice. A lot of good yeah. bands. All right, so should we wrap this up? I think we should because you ten o'clock. Both have to get up in a little while, but anyway, ten o'clock I, I think, Eastern Standard Time. I think we pretty much covered everything that I that I could think of that I wanted to cover. We got the play, we got the remake, we got all the different behind yeah, the see, scenes. Hold on, real quick. Miranda wants to do it as a play, as a musical, right? It'll be a musical, and from according to what. Rob so that I'm losing interest in now, and I love musicals, but yep. make a movie. But then again, I have faith in that guy. He's talented. So yeah, no, he's 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 done pretty well. I mean, but then again, look at didn't they they made a movie out of the second play he did, right? I can't remember what it's called. I didn't see it. In but, the Heights. Yes. So they might if it does if the play does very well. Them they never made a movie out of Hamilton, but you never know. Well, I'm sure it's I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure there's. Oh yeah, exactly. They, they usually don't make the movies that the show's still playing on Broadway. To there's something I'm sure there's a contract or something. They don't want to lose ticket sales. So, yep. And as long as Hamilton's there, they're not going to make a movie. They did the Disney Plus thing though. Did you ever see that? Totally. No, I don't have Disney Plus, but on Disney Plus, they actually filmed the show live and put it on Disney Plus during the pandemic. So people. Oh no! You know what? It's funny. Uh, my fiance, she and her daughter were upstairs watching that. I don't know how they did. They must have. I don't know. Subscribed. 
did the one month trial yeah. or whatever. They, they were watching i said what's this and then they told me i forgot all about it. that was a couple years ago uh, yeah they hit, it hit during 2020 during the pandemic yeah yeah i do and i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you right now it's one of the best musicals i've ever seen in my life like i will i, I didn't see it till it was on disney plus either holy shit what a great musical that's why i have faith in that guy well, it's funny. I saw it at the Bushnell, and I didn't oh, like. So you didn't see it, okay? Yeah, I saw it, but I I didn't like that version because I couldn't for some reason I couldn't understand a word they were saying. I know the story. Dude, the Bushnell, no offense to the Bushnell, but the audio in there is always weird for touring shows. Yeah. I, 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 Stand-up I, comedy, great bands, great, but when shows come through, there's something always off about. It. I think it's the way the building's built. I don't know. Maybe yeah, because I didn't enjoy it as much because I couldn't hear the lyrics, and I said the music was good, so I I would love yeah. to see it either on Broadway or the version of on. I'm a big. Pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. Disney Plus fan. Yeah. And people are like, but but Disney Plus? I'm like, yeah, they have all the Muppet stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, and they also have all kinds of old school Disney stuff. So like, and they do weird stuff because now that they own Fox, a lot of the Fox stuff is on there and everything. Anyways, back on uh, um, the Warriors. <laughs> I almost said Phantasm. Back on the Warriors. <laughs> back to our first, second episode. Let's just talk about Phantasm again. Why not? Why not? <laughs> we could easily talk about that series for another three hours there's, oh there was some other phantasm news recently actually um coscarelli i don't remember what it was i'm nerding out now oh the soundtrack is being reissued on vinyl oh really i love yeah. it i love that music um I, I the reason why i'm bringing it up is so i remind myself to find the website mondo is putting it out all right they put out it's 25 bucks that's not bad at all oh no wait that's the old one I think somebody's re-releasing it on vinyl. I can't remember who. It might not be Mondo. I could be lying to you now. Um, but they just announced it, and I'm like, I gotta order that because I missed the other version. So I want to get that on. I, I love the music. I don't own the soundtrack in any yeah, form. So I have the CD I bought years ago. Yeah, I'd rather get it on CD to be honest. But like, I can rip this record right to a CD. I have that technology. You have a nice setup in your living room or kitchen, whatever it is. Yeah. Where you have this, this my dining room. My dining room is now a music room. Yeah, like, yeah. I've totally remodeled my dining room to be my music hangout. I, I got rid of my dining room table and I have like a little corner booth there now. It's a whole different thing. I can't wait for you to come over again. We'll just kick back and play records. Yeah, definitely. See, for you, that's good. For me, I really never listen to anything at home. I'm always in the car listening to yeah. stuff. So I, I come home, I turn music on. Like some yeah. people come home from work, they turn the TV on for background noise. Yeah. I go right to the stereo, throw a CD in or throw yeah. a record on. I'm not a TV guy. I My TV viewing is purposeful. Does that make sense? No, I only turn my TV on to watch something. Yeah. That's me too. I never yeah. ever, and mostly lately, I mean, I've been doing a lot of uh, research for all these interviews, so I'll watch yeah, so YouTube documentaries. I'll, go, I'll turn my TV on and go on YouTube and do stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. That's what I do, yeah. My, I also me, like geeked out and bought a new TV last year. My TV was dying, so I bought this giant 4K thing. I got a 4K player. I have three 4K DVDs now, which and I'm like, oh, it's all the same. Then I saw the Muppets take Manhattan 4K. I went, Jesus Christ, it looks 3D. (laughs) So like, I'm like, yeah, I'm all about 4K now. But um, yeah, so yeah. But anyways, the Warriors. I gotta buy a 4K version. (laughs) Yes, but that that's definitely out, right? The 4K that's been out. If it's not, I'll buy the best Blu-ray I can get. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's that Arrow video version, which is like a two disc version, has both versions of the movie and like all the bonus features from every previous version, that like collectible one. Yeah, I know the archive has it. They just piped up. They actually advertised yesterday that they had they got new stock in. It's the last stock they're going to get because it's out of print now. I might drive down there and pick one up if they still have them. Actually, I have tomorrow on. All right, well, you, <laughs> you enjoy your day off. Maybe I will make a trip to the archive. All right, um, I love that place. For those of you who don't know, in Connecticut, there's a great video store called The Archive. They're part of Vinegar Syndrome. So if you're a fan of Vinegar Syndrome's distribution, these guys are awesome. They're they're kind of teamed up with them. 
Yeah. A little hype for a little promo for people we like. Not yeah. a sponsor, but if they want to sponsor us, we'll, we're interested in talking. Well, when I, we first started this podcast, I was down there and I was talking about them being on the show and they're like, yeah, please. I, oh, I, yeah. I saw one of them. Uh, uh, well, they do the Connecticut Cult Classics, one of the people. Yeah. That see. So I, I talked to them over there too, but yeah, I'll have them come on. You should just get the owner on as an interview to talk about his love of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because right. I, I, I go there and I say, oh my God, I love this movie, love that movie. I can't see, yeah. I haven't seen that one yet, but I want to see that one. That I one, can only go in there if I have like $200 in cash in my pocket. Otherwise, I'm going to pull out a credit card and spend too much money. So I have to plan my trips there. <laughs> oh, I'm the same way too. Or order online. I'm just going to order this one thing and have it shipped to me. <laughs> Yep. But if you but if you're a movie buff and you're watching this, check out the archive. Just Google it. Anyways. Um I think yeah, that's what, to end it, I think that's one interview that would be great if you and I were both on the show. Like I would love to because we're we just talk movies with the guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It'd be sort of like this. Yeah. And um anyway, so John, it's always fun to Rich. do this show. I don't I know maybe we might it's have the lost best, this is the best time I've had in a while with this. So this is great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, well so as you as you talked about, you said you could tell like when somebody's passionate about something. You and I are very passionate about the Warriors. This is a movie that we no. grew up with. We still love. We know pretty much every line in the movie. And there's nothing that I can say negative about the movie. I think it's great. I love the characters. So that's that's why it was so much fun talking oh, no, about it. Sorry, like doing things like that. And on that note, what a whiny bitch! The latest episode of Real Talk. A special thanks goes out to the co-founder, John Bristol of the award-winning Elmer Productions. Also, I got to thank editor extraordinaire, also the great John Bristol of the award-winning Elmer Productions, for always doing a superb job editing this show each and every month, month and a half, and making it available to all on YouTube. And it's never usually on radio, but I do want to thank Rob Bull and Timothy Quirk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. This, yeah, this show, <laughs> I never I never give this show to them because editing it would have been, well, actually, Oh no, my God, like, imagine if Quirk had to edit all my F-bombs. Yeah. I don't actually, want no, to I do have to say something. Rob, sorry to the apologize. He puts him on, he puts Rob him on, put it on, on Spotify, yeah. yeah so, so I want to thank Rob Bull for all he does putting on Spotify iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. Thank you very, very much, Rob. I really do appreciate it. And once again, I love having you on the show as a co-host for this show every once in a while. And I know you want to do Kubrick Night. So if you're listening to this, we will do that soon. Oh, and yeah. lastly, but definitely not least, we need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. Mm-hmm.